Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and I'm here with River Brown and Andrew Velez. And this is now episode 131. In this episode, we'll be ranking the 2019 and 2020 NBA draft class. Talk about five breakout sophomores, the Knicks struggles, if the Suns should trade for Cat, if Jokic is being overlooked, and more. This is now episode 131 and a quick Patreon shout out to... Anthony, BJ, PJs, Mario, Langston, Jazzy, Juice, Johannes, Ruben, Brian, Ricky, E, Enzo, Sean Solis, Sean, Muffins, John, Sean Triplett, Burner Hoops, Court Cousins, Ben Mack, P. George, Hakari, Mateen, Dave Two Freedom, and Jay. Aqua. Good old Jay Aqua, man. We need about two, three more names to fill that gap. So Jay Aqua is last. We are. I think we're at He'll twenty. Be last. We're at twenty six or twenty seven patrons now. Thank you guys so much for supporting us in a monetary donational way. But if you support us, whether you listen to the podcast on Spotify, Apple, or whatever streaming platform, or on YouTube, thank you guys so much. It means the world to us. This is going to be a very fun show we're going to do a 2019 and 2020 nba redraft so what we're going to do is that riv me and drew will all have five picks we're going to pick 15 players it's basically us ranking both draft classes together and picking the best players combined from those draft classes so we're going to try to create a starting five using those two, two draft classes this should be a lot of fun we still haven't decided who has the first pick. So we're going to flip a quarter right now and decide that. So how are we going to do that with three all people? All right, so it's me versus you. Whoever okay. wins goes against Joel. So I'm the kingpin, and you guys, so you guys, I'm in the finals. You guys are in the uh, it's cap, actually. So now I got it. Whoever wins, right, you go to the next round. Then it'll be me and Joel. Whoever loses gets the third pick. Oh, okay. So okay, so loser faces exactly. me. And, okay, all right. Exactly. All right. I'll call in the hair. That's some, uh, all right, it. here we go. Test. Fails, baby. Give me that. Give me that. <laughs> what is that? That's heads. Yep. So Riv won. Right. Okay. So every Riv, time. No, no, no. It's not yet. It's not yet. Riv right now has a number one pick. Now yep. it's Drew and I. I'm gonna call no, it. No, and then if whoever wins this faces Riv for the number one pick. Yeah. So it's us. Uh, so but we're, fi- we're fighting for the number two pick. Correct. Okay. All right, here we go. Call it. Tails. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, we got a chance. Wait, I don't have yeah. to play him because I beat him already, right? No, yeah, that's, that's a fact. That, so you get the true. second pick. All right, yeah, fair enough. I told I you I'd go pick. first. This guy every time, bro. Jesus. Okay, all right. so with the first pick in the 2020-2019 NBA redraft, Riv selects... John Morant. <laughs> it has to be John Morant. Wow. It's in terms of... Over Zion? Yes. Over LaMelo? Duh. And, and think about it. In the last, since all these guys have been in the league, who has impacted their team the most, has turned their team the most respectable, and has made the playoffs and put on the show? It's been John Morant. And then this year, he's in the MVP conversation. He's been modest improvements every year. He's turned Memphis into a relevant basketball team. It has to be John Morant. In terms of changing my franchise, I have the number one pick. I got to go John Morant. Write that down so you keep track of your lineup. Well, I'm here. Okay, so John Morant, Oof. that's your first overall pick. Now, with the second overall pick in this redraft, Drew selects. I'm going to go LaMelo Ball. Only reason I'm not going Zion is because 
The weight's a concern for me. He's over 300 right now. Obviously, he's had some injury issues up until this point in his career. He's a freak of nature when he's on the court. It's clear as day. When he's healthy, when he's on, he's giving you a minimum of 27 a night. He's like that. But I'm worried about it. For the long term, at least right now, he scares me. He's getting up there on weight. He loves that gumbo in New Orleans for some reason. He can't lay off of it. But I'm going with LaMelo because obviously of the ways that he impacts the game, both offensively, defensively. Offensively, not only is he a, a solid a borderline elite scorer, he facilitates the offense so well. He's a rebounder on top of that. He's got size. He's got athleticism. So I'm going LaMelo. Wow. <laughs> you guys just made the two biggest mistakes on that's draft what the, that's what Didn't that's what they said before? Yeah. And now look at him. Yeah. Uh, okay. With the third overall pick, Team Joel. I'm selecting Zion Williamson. The fact that you, with the first... Look, I'm not mad that you picked Ja Moran over Zion. I know that Ja has done more so far, but Zion is the better player. Availability Z- is the best ability. Th- that's true, but in this redraft, we're, we're taking into account that they're going to be relatively <laughs> healthy. It's scaring me, though, bro. He's getting big. Because, big. and for one, the fact... look. I'm not that mad at you that you passed on <laughs> you passed on Zion for you Ja. The, fa- the fact that That's what the it fact is. that you Come passed on. on Zion for a Lamelo ball. <laughs> I love Lamelo, but it's Zion. This guy just had a historical second year. Compare that. Compare second season with any NBA grade of all time. I might have to agree with him. Look, I'm going with crazy. I'm going with Zion. The fact that he fell to me, Zion. I got it. So to reiterate the first three picks, this is basically the first round because we're doing uh, five rounds. So with the first pick, you selected. John Morant. You selected. LaMelo Ball. And I went with Zion Williamson. So that's our team so Wait, far. Before we continue, so you would have picked LaMelo at one? Yeah. Wow. I would have. Okay. Okay. Continue. Yeah, you're crazy. So with the fourth I mean, it's pick. Not that, it's not that crazy. You think about it, obviously. It is crazy. I personally it's, think there's only one person you could have took over Ja right now, and that would be Zion. You think so? I mean, bro, his injury history has been scary up. Well, just from a sheer Zion. talent perspective, I think. But Lamelo, we've only seen him continue to get better and better, shooting the ball, rebounding the basketball, obviously facilitating. That's just his. He's not as good as Ja though. Not right in now. In terms of what, uh, just no, as not a ball not, player not, right not, now. Not, not, which is fine. Ja's different. Which is fine. But I'm talking for the long term. Lamelo seems to be the safest for me. Poverty franchise. His, explo- his explo- Ja's explosiveness. Is going to get him very far in this league, but we don't know how long the longevity of his team drew poverty franchise. This is going to be a while before something happens. Team drew poverty for sure. Oh no, definitely. So with the fourth overall pick, Team Riv selects and say it after the music stops. I'm basing my team off a talent standpoint. You guys already took Lamelo. You took Zion. The next best player has got it. I'm going Darius Garland. I think right now Darius Garland has shown the ability to be a Steph Curry-like player in the sense of has the shooting ability, has the range, be that type of playmaker, be able to basically impact his team on ways without the ball. And I think right now the improvement in his game is showing he's become a better player. He's starting to be more efficient with the ball. He's starting to be more efficient in his shooting. And I think he's going to be an elite point guard down the road. So I'm going to go Darius Garland. I love Garland, but you're going with Garland over Hero and Anthony Edwards. Listen, let that go. Oh, my God. It's too late. It's too you late. You made your pick you're already. It's more. over. I got I the squad now. He's mad. Because obviously, hit let, my music, Let the record please. show I wouldn't have picked Garland over Anthony. I just... That's all right. Now with music. the fifth overall music. pick, Drew selects Mr. Anthony Edwards. Damn. Oof. What a steal this one was, without a doubt. Garland obviously is a solid ball player. You, I'm sure you know you're not taking him over Anthony Edwards. Obviously, his scoring abilities are 
already getting up there as one of the most impressive in the league. Doing this at a at this young of an age is truly impressive to me. Averaging around 24 points per game this season alone, and he hasn't even really broke the surface yet. I think that he's only going to continue to uh, evolve in his game on all sides of the ball. He just needs to be a little bit more efficient. I feel like that's the one thing he's lacking right now, but I have no doubts he'll clean that up. So obviously, this is a no-brainer for me. I'm going Anthony Edwards. Now with the sixth overall pick, <laughs> Team Joel, I'm selecting somebody who has broken out this season. I'm going with Tyler Hero. Listen, this was tough because between Hero and Garland, it is very close, but I think Tyler Hero is a better scorer. He can play the point guard position somewhat well. He can he can manage an offense because of that. I'm going to pair up Tyler Hero with Zion Williamson. I'm taking him over Darius Garland, and I, I like my team so far with Zion and Tyler. So you got a cute team. So after the second round, Riv, your team is... John Morant and Darius Garland. Sick boy. Yo, Edwards is literally number two on my board. I'm so mad that I just, oh, uh, whatever. I'd be so sick. And your team, Drew, is I got LaMelo and I got Anthony Edwards. And me, I have Zion and Tyler Hero. Poverty-stricken franchise. This guy's team stinks. Now with the seventh overall pick, Team Riv selects. <sighs> I already have my backcourt settled. This, uh, you know what? I'm going to have to go R.J. Barrett. I have to guard your Barrett. With the fact that I have John Morant, with the fact that I have Darius Garland for spacing, I feel like bringing in RJ Barrett to be that type of wing that can defend and can get to the basket is only going to open up more for Darius Garland in the open floor. So I think I'm going to take RJ. This this could have went RJ. This could have went Patrick Williams. This could have went DeAndre Hunter. But I think RJ right now has shown the biggest improvement. He has shown the fact that he can be healthy. And I think right now he is better than all three, all, both of them. So Okay. Hit my music. Now with the eighth overall pick, Team Drew selects. So I'm going to take one of the better bigs in this, In this, I guess, these two draft classes combined. I'm going to go James Wiseman. Bro's I, taking a Wiseman. Bro's taking eight. a big at 10. <laughs> I, listen, <laughs> ten. listen he's, good luck to taking your bigs because you guys will be playing some small ball lineups. That's what I plan on doing. I mean, you got Zion, so you're going to be all right. Yeah, but I you, got You're going to be stressed. Five. But regardless of that, obviously we haven't seen James Wiseman really break the surface yet. But even still, I do believe in his talents. He's... A, what, 6'10", 6'11", guy seven that, feet tall. Which is even better for me. Obviously, like <laughs> I said, we haven't seen him break the surface with the Warriors, but I do believe his game is going to to translate well once he comes back from injury. I think that he can shoot the ball relatively well from the mid-range. I think that his inside game is pretty smooth. We just need to see him get some more minutes, but I do believe in James Wiseman, so I'm going with him. And I like Wiseman, too. I yeah, do for like sure. Wiseman. I think we just need to see him on the court healthy, and I just think that with the way the Warriors are playing now, It'll be a little bit easier for him to get in the swing of things. Now with the ninth overall pick, <laughs> Team Man. Joel selects. So I'm fulfilling my backcourt. I'm going to select Darius Garland here. I'm going to have Garland and Hero in the backcourt. Didn't he take Garland? Oh, you took Garland? I took, took Garland. Garland. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I took, you literally said I took Garland. Oh, my now, gosh. Now, Riff screwed the whole board up when he went Garland over Edwards. I just wasn't I wasn't sure you're going to take Garland. Board okay. and shambles. Okay, with the ninth <laughs> overall pick. Board and shambles. I'm looking, at, I'm looking here, and I'm looking at the point guard position. I could go with Cole Anthony. I could go with Tyrese Maxey. They're both phenomenal. But I feel like I need some defense on my team and. I'm going with Devin Vassell. Mm. I think Devin Vassell this year has really came into has is coming into his own. Right now, I believe he's averaging 12, 12 and a half points per game, shooting 47% from the field, 39% from three, and he is just a lockdown defender at that wing position. I'm fulfilling my wing position. So now I now I have Harrow, 
Zion and Vassell. Question, did you even consider Halliburton? Or were you thinking more defensively, that's why you went Vassell? I think Tyree's Halliburton, uh, Halliburton, I was thinking about him, but I just don't know if the ceiling is there for him. Okay. You know, pre-draft, my comparison from was like Malcolm Brogdon. And in his, rook- in his rookie year, he played really well. But now in his second year, we're seeing guys like Cole Anthony and Maxie being play- playing better than him. Yeah. Granted, it's early in the season, but Tyrese Halliburton, he's a good player. Yeah. But I just think Vassell has that upside that I'm looking for. I was considering another player, though, that you guys are going to be shocked because I'm I'm thinking I'm going to take him. I think I'm going to take him sooner. <coughs> so now with the 10th overall pick, or actually, let's uh, do our rounds first, so... In the first three rounds, Riv's team is... I got John Moran at the one, Garland at the two, and R.J. Barrett is running my three. Ironically, I have the one, two, three of the 2020 draft. I got LaMelo, I got Anthony Edwards, and I got James Wiseman. And I have Tyler Hero, Devin Vassell, and Zion Williamson. So let's talk about some let's talk about players that are still on the board, right? At each position, because I made one, I made a big board for each position. So Ja, Garland, they're out. We still have Kevin Porter Jr., Cole Anthony. Halliburton, Emmanuel Quickly, and Tyrese Maxey. At the shooting guard position, we have Kobe White, Jordan Poole, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Talon Horton-Tucker, and Desmond Bain. At the small forward position, we have DeAndre Hunter, Keldon Johnson, Cam Reddish, Terrence Mann, Sadiq Bey, Isaac Okoro, Pat Will, and Denny Advia. Power forwards, Rui, P.J. Washington, Brandon Clark, Baisley, Cam Johnson, Xavier Tillman, and Obi Toppin. And our centers, Gafford, Claxton, Isaiah Stewart, and Onyeka Okongwu. So with the tenth with the tenth overall pick, Team Riv is selecting who? This is a wing league, man. This is this is a wing league. It's going I, baby claw. I, I gotta I gotta I go it. Pat I Will, it, man. I man. do. I'm I, sick. I got Pat Will on one wing, RG Barrett on another wing. Two two young defensive guys. Pat Will, he walked in his rookie year, he showed the ability to play defense at an elite level. And his potential is off the charts. I got to go Patrick Will with my 10th pick. I got a question for you. Talk to me. If Devin Vassell was there, were you, were you still taking Pat Will over Vassell? I would have really thought about it. Like, thought about it. but Because for me, Vassell, it was between Vassell, Pat Will, and DeAndre Hunter. Yeah. It, the, the, the problem with Pat Will is his offensive game hasn't caught up. And it probably won't because of DeMar or Zach and them. With Vassell, he has more time to, to grow. So I probably would have. Took Vassell at that moment, but you took him. And with the 11th overall pick, Team Drew selects who? Now, this shouldn't be a surprise to you guys. We just saw him have a little bias in his heart. And I might have a little bias in mine. Your pick is dumb if you're going this way. You think so? Uh, if, if you pick THT over DeAndre Hunter, you are crazy. DeAndre Hunter has been okay this season. He's been all right. Go ahead, go ahead. Do you know thing. what? I feel like no one's going to take him here, obviously. So you know what? I might have to wait on this. If he takes THT, it'd be ironic. And I don't see you taking him at all. I so won't. I'm going to wait on it, actually. I'm going to go Desmond Bain, believe it or not. I just think that the way that he's been playing these first two seasons in his career, he's a perfect 3 and D guy. He can fit in almost any system, truthfully. <laughs> High... Obviously, he's a solid three-point shooter, but even more so, he's an elite defender. I feel like he'll fit perfectly on my team, especially with LaMelo running the point. You still got Anthony Edwards to, to be one of the primary scorers, and they're going to be seeing him in, in transition. He's going to be sitting in that corner wide open for a three. And on the other side, obviously, he can lock up any two-guard, any three-guard. He'll be He's a good fit for my squad, so I'm going Desmond Bain. I'm surprised you, none of you have taken Cole Anthony. Well, you have well, your got, guard position got, set up. I got LaMelo. I really don't need him. And Bain obviously could play that two, three 
So you're taking Desmond Bain over Fun fact, DeAndre Hunter. Edwards has actually logged 73% of his time. A shooting guard? At three. At the three. Okay. Back-to-back years. Yeah. yeah. So he's a three. So you're taking Desmond Bain. That's your pick. Okay. Pick 12. Team Joel is selecting. Now, this is tough for me because I have Cole Anthony on the board. Tyrese Halliburton. You got some DeAndre picks. Hunter. Maxi Gafford. I have, there are a lot of options to choose from. I think with Vassell, I have a lockdown defender. I look at my team, Harrow, Zion can create for themselves. Vassell can spot up and shoot. Man, this is tough for me. I, I really can't decide. But I'm going to spoil your juice pick. I'm, ta- I'm taking Taylor Horton. Are you bastard? You're <laughs> a bastard. This is your fault. This is your Don't fault. Listen you to should- me. Oh, I'm trying damn, to spoil your team. Why damn. would you listen to me? I'm so- sick. Talon Horan Tucker, oh. he's been averaging 23 points per game this year. It's only been three games, but he's been one of the lone oh. bright spots on the Lakers team. I think he has really good ball handling, ball handling ability. He can drive to the basket. He's a much improved shooter this season, and he can play defense as well. So now I have Hero, um, Hero THD who can create, and Zion who's just a menace in getting to the paint. So I, I like my team so far. Oh, you know what? I'm glad you did this. I'm extremely glad you did this because now I have the perfect opportunity to call both of you guys out. THC, he's really not that good. Oh, I still believe. He's really not that good. You think I changed my opinion? (laughs) I am. I am. My mind is blown. So now you're in on THT. I like THT. Really? (laughs) Interesting. Very interesting. I'm more in on THT than I. It's just it's just about fit for me, though. Like between squad, squad between it's Tyler Hero, THT, Vassell and Zion. You still need a point guard. Yeah, you're right. And, but they're I, still available. You though, know, so. you're. You know, I could take a point guard. I've had Halle Burden, Cole yep. Anthony available. Tht could play that three. You're saying you got Hero. He'll obviously play the two. Who you say Vassell? Ooh, yeah, that gets tough. I'm a know. small team. Obviously, you guys not unless you're playing Zion. I'm at playing the five. Zion at the five. Yeah. he's going to be my small ball five. I, I'm. Ha- I have a small Tht ball five. Tht could bro. kind of play e- that hybrid four. because the thing is, look, I'm not. You took Wiseman. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I wasn't even going to take Wiseman. He wasn't even on my board. I'm gonna be honest. Gafford, he's a great defender, but I can't take him over the guys There's that are here right now. There's a lot of talent here. So with the 13th overall pick, Team Riv selects who? You t- you took Wiseman. You took Zion. I'm looking to build the best defensive front court out here. Okay. So with that being said, I need a five. And the best five out of this class, in my opinion, oh, I think it'll be the best five. I'm going to take Onyeka. I think I'm going to take the defensive big right now. I, it could have went on Yeka and DeAndre Hunter, but I refuse to run three three undersized wings in my lineup. So I'm going to go R.J. Barrett, Pat Will, on Yeka to build that front court, that long, lanky defensive front court. And I'll be fine with against Zion or against James Wiseman. So that's going to be my pick. All right. Now with the 14th overall pick, Team Drew selects who? So... I think the last position I really need to solidify firmly is my power forward position. And Rui Hachimura has just been going round and round wow. and round by without being selected. And Why would we select him? Because Rui actually is a solid You know, defender. aside from me blundering that Edwards pick, your team really would have been bad. What? Why is that? Because I feel like you, you would have gave me Garland. You wouldn't have picked Garland. What do you mean? I don't think you'd have picked Garland. Who would I have picked then? THD. Oh my God! <laughs> I took Bane over Tht. So, so you're waiting. So you're taking. I'm taking Rui. Hachimura. You're taking Rui over Hunter. 
I am taking Rui over Hunter. I'm telling you, Hunter hasn't been that great this season. He's been a lockdown defender. I'm, and Rui has Rui is played. A, Rui is a solid defender still, and we're only seeing his offensive game continue to evolve as okay, he's been okay. in the league. So I feel like that... The only position I really needed was a power forward, and Rory really can play that position for me perfectly. My lineup, you look at it, LaMelo obviously can run that that point guard position. He has the size. He has the athleticism. He could play that one, two, or three if I really needed him to. Uh, who was my two guard? Desmond, uh, Bain. Desmond Bain. obviously a perfect 3 and D type player. Anthony Edwards, one of the best scorers or young scorers in our league right now. Rory Hachimura, uh, same thing. I wouldn't say he's a 3 and D player because obviously his three-point shot isn't the best, but he can still get you a bucket if need be. And again, his defense is solid. And then James Wiseman, who in my opinion, obviously we haven't seen what he can be, but at the same time, we still understand what his potential is. And we see that obviously he has the size, he has the athleticism, he has the shooting ability for a big... I love this team. You're taking Rui with your 14th overall pick. Correct. Now I have a tough decision because I have Hunter, Maxi, Halliburton, and Cole Anthony still on the board. Now with the 15th overall pick, I'm selecting Tyrese Halliburton. I need a point guard. I need somebody to run the show. Harrow can be my two. And Cole Anthony, I love his game, but I think Halliburton can just play defense. And because I'm running a small ball five lineup, I need players who can defend. THT, Vassell, Halliburton, they can all defend. Harrow's my only liability, but I think my perimeter defense is going to be fine. So I'm taking Halliburton. So with that being said, we finished our draft. So Riv, name your team, your point guard to your center. Okay, so John Moran's going to be running my offense. He's at the one. Darius Garland is my two. R.J. Barrett, I'm going to play him at the three. Pat Will is going to be my four. And Onyeka at the five. You got a Q lineup. That's a Q lineup. I'm going to lock you down. No. No, definitely not. You're not locking down Anthony Love lockdown. That's a, that's a classic. But regardless of that, my starting five, like I just mentioned, we got LaMelo Ball running the, the point guard position. That the two, we got Desmond Bain, that 3 and D type player. Anthony Edwards, again, one of the best young scorers in our league. Rui Hachimura, we're just breaking into to the NBA, really, just not really touching the surface of what he could be yet. I love his game. And then, obviously, James Wiseman, another one of those players who I do believe in. And I think once his time comes, he'll make the most of it. Now, my lineup is Tyrese Halliburton at the one, Tyler Hero at the two, THT at the three, Devin Vassell at the four, and Zion Williamson at the five. I'll be honest, for having the third overall pick, I think I picked better than you guys. Be honest. We'll let the fans decide that. We'll let the viewers decide that. Who's so your, you picked Zion? If, if, you're, if you're watching this, let us know who has the best team. Is Team Drew's the best? Is Team Riv the best? Or is Team Joel the best? I'm still stunned at THT pick, man. The amount of disrespect that, that came out of your two. Why do you mouths. keep adding? Remember you said don't you, put y'all. No, I wouldn't no, have picked him. You, I, I'm, I'm saying there was 20 guys. Y'all I still before disrespected him. him. I will continue to do that, which is wrong. So and let's talk about some of the guys that did not make the cut. Cole Anthony, DeAndre Hunter, Tyrese Maxey did not make the cut. Kevin Porter Jr. did not make it. Kobe White, Jordan Poole, Nikhil Alexander-Walker did not make it. Keldon Johnson, Cam Reddish, Sadiq Bey did not make it. P.J. Washington, Baisley, Tillman, Obi didn't make it. And Claxton and Isaiah Stewart and Gafford did not make it as well. So let's just talk about the players that didn't make it for a second. So Cole Anthony, he didn't make it for me because I just didn't want another scoring guard. That's really what it was. DeAndre Hunter... I already had my wing position solidified with Vassell, and I think THT is a better creator than DeAndre Hunter. Tyrese Maxey, I already had a scoring guard, but I would have loved to take him. 
it, KPJ, he's not a point guard, and he's been really inefficient this year. Definitely. And that's really it. And Jordan Poole, I, I, have, I have a better Jordan Poole than Tyler Harrow. I think for me, DeAndre Hunter was on my ten, was on my board at ten. I thought he I thought he would have got picked by one of us, but I just picking R.J. Barrett, picking Pat Will. I like Pat Will's defense more, and R.J. Barrett. I like his offensive game more a little bit, and I think he'll become a better player than DeAndre Hunter. For Cole Anthony, for me personally, I just I feel like Garland and John Moran is just better than him. I feel like the combination of scoring, shooting, and playmaking, Darius Garland exceeds Cole in that aspect, and John Morant. I don't even need to explain why he's better than Cole Anthony. But Rui, I had 13 on my board quickly. Quickly is a guy I was thinking about a little bit. KPJ, Jake, uh, Jordan Poole, Tyrese Maxey. But a lot of these guys at the end, you know, they started coming on a little bit late with the guys I picked. You know, we've seen them throughout the year, for the most part, modest success, improving drastically. For some of these guys, though, it's been kind of like a just a recent thing. The only one I could really see is not taking DeAndre Hunter. Obviously, DeAndre Hunter last season showed that he's a solid ball player. Defensively, obviously, he's a lockdown defender. And offensively, obviously, he can still get you a, a bucket whenever. I wouldn't say whenever, but he can give you a bucket or two from time to time. He's a decent scorer. That being said, I just think that Rory Hachimura, a little bit more athletic. Still, you probably lose a little bit of defense, but you're getting a little bit of more offense with, with Rory. It's just he's got to stay healthy and he's got to get his mind right. So this was our 2019 to 2020 redraft. We combined both draft classes and drafted the best players available from each one. And we created a starting five out of them. So let us know who we missed, who we may have reached for, any of that good stuff. And let's see if you guys hate our list or you love our list. I love our starting lineup. I feel like we're going to get a lot of pushback on TikTok. Oh yeah, yeah it's definitely. gonna be fun. I mean, you get pushback on every single. Video I'm gonna, you put I'm on. gonna get, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get pushback for the THT pick. You're gonna get pushback on the Wiseman pick. I'm done. On the Onyeka, you're because no, I think Gafford's better than Onyeka. On the Garland pick, he's gonna get pushback, even though people should know it was an accident. Maybe Onyeka's more switchable though. But yeah. yeah, I think not. Yeah, the Garland over Edwards. Now, a question: Isaiah Stewart. Did you contemplate him at all? No. At the he's five? a six seven center. Which is fair, but even it's still, he's been, he's been he's a solid big though. I just like Gaffer. I would pick Gaffer before Stewart. I would okay. even picked another four or a three before Stewart. But Stewart's okay. good. Though, yeah, word. I would PJ Washington. Before yeah, I would, I would have picked. The I don't know about before. PJ. Truthfully, he's been a little bit too inconsistent for me. You said he could average thirty. Did you say no, that? No, I did not. Uh-oh. That was good Yo, with you. Dan said that oh one episode. My God. No, I did not. I said he has the capabilities of being a good ball player. We've seen him drop forty. That doesn't even sound like you. What? Saying that. The 30? Nah, bro, he Damn, dad said you. that. No, I'm talking about what you just said. He has the capabilities of being... It doesn't even sound like how you speak. Bro, Drew, exactly nah, you, like were really, you were like, he has the capability of to dropping average, 30, 40. Oh, yeah, he can. And then, and then I was like, you really just said that? Like, he does <laughs> I mean, He dropped 40 points in a game. One time. Corey, Terrence, so Corey Brewer has the saying. capability of dropping Terrence Ross 40. Dropped Terrence 50. Ross did drop 50. I said Corey Brewer. You know, he had... 40 before. So does, uh-huh. does Terrence Ross have the capability of dropping 50? Or was that just a one-time anomaly? I mean, Terrence Ross, we got, I mean, he's a decent He's a good player, player yeah. but PJ's a good player too, but he's a, he's a 10, no, 13 I'm point per game guy. Hey, I'm with you. <laughs> You're trying to clown me <laughs> nah, right you, now. You made it sound I like you really, I didn't say anything agreed. You made it sound like he could drop no, 20 a game. Not. That's how you interpret it, which is your prerogative, which is fine with me. I'm just saying he has the, he has clearly shown the capabilities of being a good offensive player. We just, we just went through the 2020 NBA Facts. draft class. We picked some of them in our side of lineups and now they are in their second season. We know guys like LaMelo and Anthony Edwards. They shined as rookies. Desmond Bain really solidified his role as a rookie, but there are breakout sophomores this season that 
have found their way, have found their footing in the league so far. So we're going to go over our top five breakout sophomores. And I'll go first. I think number one is, is Cole Anthony. He's averaging 19.9 points per game, basically 20 a game, 6.9 rebounds, 5.7 assists with 1.2 steals per game, shooting 42% from the field and 37% from three. He's dribbling less and making a lot quicker decisions. And the Magic are 40.2 points better when Cole is on the floor. I'm going to the Nets game today versus the Magic. I'm going to be seeing Cole Anthony live. I'm excited for that. And Kevin Durant is out. So Mm. James Harden, it's going to be the James Harden show. He's dropped a 60-point triple-double against the Magic before. So we'll see if he does that tonight. So Cole Anthony is one of my top five breakout sophomores. Who's yours? Cole Anthony was at one for me. So before, before we all go, I just want to know if we all have the same list. So my five is Cole, Tyrese Maxey, Vassell, Advia, and Obi. So we don't have the same list. Okay. Who's your, who's who's do you differ from mine? Like who do you have? Mine's the, one is at Cole, two is Sadiq Bay, three is Devin Vassell, four is Tyrese Maxey, and then five is uh, Halliburton. But mine's wasn't an order thing. It was just five. Yeah, that's mine was top five. five breakout sophomores. Yeah, I just put the five guys I feel like is breaking out right now. I didn't put it in order. Okay. Explain the Sadiq Bay one. Sadiq Bay, with him, it's more of a, a eye test for me thing. Like he's improved his game in the one on one game. He's improved on the defensive end. He's improved in handling the ball. His numbers probably don't. His efficiency is low right now. His numbers don't scream improving. But if you watch him play, you definitely see the improvements in all areas of his game. So that's why I had to throw it for him. Okay, and the other one you had that that differed from mine is Tyrese Halliburton too. So explain that. No, I had burn. I had burn in my five. No, but that's I didn't have saying. Tyrese on mine. Tyrese. You didn't have Tyrese because I thought he last year was pretty much the same. He's putting up the same numbers. No, nah, I thought I think with this year you it a lot of his like I said a lot of with, the same thing with Sadiq Bay is with Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, it's it's the continuing to show slight improvement in his game while also getting guys in. You know, Davion Mitchell stepped in, Darian Fox and Harrison Barnes has taken that jump. But yet and still, you still see Tyrese Halliburton improving on defense. He's becoming a much better on-ball defender. He's still that same guy off-ball. His his decision-making has gotten better. I didn't even think it could get better at this point, but it has. So it's like with him, it's like him and Sadiq Bay for me eye are eye-testing. Okay. And for you, Drew? So for the three we have similar, obviously I got Cole Anthony on here. I got Tyrese Maxey on here. I got Devin Vassell. So the two that we differ, you said Desmond Baines obviously showed a little bit last season. I still have him on one of my top five breakout players. He's averaging four, almost five more points from last season. He's been a beast defensively. Obviously, he's only going to get better. And then I got Isaiah Stewart. I'm pretty high on him. Last season, I think he had more win shares. He, I think he led all rookies in win shares, even over even over LaMelo, even over Anthony Edwards. He was solid last year. Obviously, we spoke a little about how he's been un, undersized, or excuse me, how he is undersized. But now he's playing with Cade, and he's getting in this, into the swing of things with the Pistons. Obviously, he's getting more minutes. He's looked really good at this point in the season. I feel like Cade being in the lineup is only going to benefit his game more, and we're going to see him start to to really take off, too. Okay, so you mentioned Sadiq Bey and Halliburton. You mentioned Stewart and Desmond Bain. So I'm going to give the players that uh, I have on my list. And my list is the same as Mike Schmitz. He dropped an article about top five breakout sophomores. Mm-hmm. And... Coincidentally, I had the same list as him because Isaiah Stewart, he's a good player, but I don't know if he's bro- he's broken out this year. For when I see Cole Anthony, 
He's broken out. Without a doubt. Ty- Tyrese Maxey, nope. he's yep. averaging 18 points per game, four rebounds, four assists, shooting 52% from the field, 43% from three. He's been a dog. Oh, my God. He's one of only two players in the NBA that are averaging at least 17 points and four assists on 50% shooting from the two and 40% from three. The only other player is Kevin Durant. So Maxey has been an elite company. This year, he has an 18.4 PER just for reference, last year, Ben Simmons had an 18.3. So Maxi has really taken over that role that Ben Simmons yep. left. And I think he's been better because he's a better creator. He's more aggressive. He's a better shooter. And he's really been making defenders pay when they go under screens. And he's one of the best players at floaters. He's the most efficient player at floaters in the NBA, shooting them at 59%. So he's broken out for me completely. Third, Devin Vassell, yep. 12 and a half points per game, four rebounds, 1.1 steals per game. Last year in his limited minutes, he showed a lot of defensive potential. And now that he's getting more minutes, he's showcasing that even more. 47% from the field, 39% from three. And he's shot 78% on corner three-point shots, which is just astounding. Devin Vassell is somebody who I think I am really high on. He has a super high ceiling. His floor... In the NBA is Mikel Bridges. He, at worst, he'll be Mikel Bridges, which is still a very good player. But he has the potential to be a, a solid pro for 10 plus years. And he also held Shea to 14 points on 16 shots the other night. So if his floor is Mikel, what do you think his ceiling is? Yeah, it has to be high. Because damn. Because Mikel is, is a baller. <laughs> yeah, like He's damn. He's a baller. <laughs> has to be an all-star. It has to be like a Kawhi letter type. Oh, my. Not as good as Kawhi. Not as good as Kawhi, but, you know, same thing. I don't know what he's saying. I don't know what he's saying. If you think Pat Will is baby claw, Vassell's better than Pat Will. No, but he's been called. The nickname is – it's not because his game. It's because of his his hand size and the way he – that's it. That's why we call him But I think Vassell can be an all-star. I really do. I really think he can, especially if he improves his game off the dribble. The sky is – the limit for him. Okay. He, he's a really good player. Then fourth, I have Denny Advia. And this is where it got tough because for me, this was really about breakout players. I don't know if Bain and Sadiq or Holly Burton yeah, have the Denny one out. for me. <laughs> Denny Advia, he's averaging 6.6 rebounds, 1.2 assists. Got to be the defense. Um, no, six, that's exactly what it is. Six, 0.6 steals per game and 0.8 blocks per game. It's just the defense. Yep. And the other day on a Wizards segment, I misspoke because I said Denny Advia wasn't a good defender. And I, I mostly just said that because of how the guy looks. I mean, I don't expect him to be an awesome <laughs> defender. But off the bench, he's guarded premier players like KD, like other superstars. And among the 13 players to defend at least 45 isolations so far this season, Advia ranks first in points per direct, according to Second Spectrum, ahead of names like Evan Mobley and Bam Adebayo. He's averaging 1.7 blocks and 1.3 steals and 8.4 rebounds per game per 40 minutes. And according to cleaningtheglass.com, which I just got a subscription to, they have a bunch of great advanced analytics. It's a really good app. The Wizards allow 10.7 fewer points per 100 possessions when Advia is on the floor while holding opponents to a lower percentage and forcing more turnovers. The Wizards are 20 and a half points better per 100 possessions when Advia is on the floor. And most of this information is coming from the Mike Schmitz article. The information he had, had in that article was fantastic. Yeah. It's, I'm pretty much copying and pasting his stuff because it was amazing. How many minutes is Advia average? Okay. Yeah, he's playing about 20. And then Obi Toppin 
Seven and seven point eight points per game, oh, three point four rebounds. List. Yeah, okay. and he's shooting fifty six percent from the field. He's not been too good from three this year, but his role is much different this year than last year. Last year he was just stuck in the corner. This year yeah. he's rolling to the rim much more. Thirty nine percent of his shots last year were threes. Of the one hundred fourteen players to have set at least seventy five screens this season, Toppin is generating the second most points per chance, only behind. Draymond Green, so I, and he's shooting 74, 74% at the restricted area. So I got two questions. This one is for you. Is it safe to say Obi Toppin is playing at the moment that Kenneth Fareed role for that Denver Nuggets team that made the playoffs? No, because he's not playing a lot of minutes. Well, I'm saying in, the limited, in that, the limited minutes he has, being that hype man, that guy that gets to the crowd no, on he's, his feet. Look, he's been amazing, and the Knicks right now only have a winning record because our bench has been that good. Knicks fans love Obi Toppin. And Obi has been really amazing, and I think in the limited action that we've seen him, Knicks fans aren't too mad at that we took him over Halliburton. Yeah, yeah. You know, last year I was pretty upset at that. And, you know, I wanted Halliburton at the time to draft, but Obi has shown a lot of flashes, and he's really embraced his new role, and I think it fits him very well. I'm going to wait to talk on Obi because we're going to talk about the Knicks. And then question number two. Who do you guys think, this is for all of us, that mm-hmm. is out of our list, the one guy who can continue this pace throughout the season? Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony for you? Th- Tyrese yeah, Maxey, he has 100%. the opportunity. Vassell is for me. Okay. I think because he's going to, he's going to, I think with him, it's going to be tricky because like we, I think we talked about before, Fultz and Isaac will be back eventually. So what's, is his offense going to go down? He's probably going to still be the same, but is his offense going to go down? With Vassell, He's going to have this role all year, you know, so it's going to be the same guy okay. for mostly the whole so season. So for me, then, I'm going to go Desmond Bain. I feel like similar to what you're saying with Devin Vassell, that 3 and D type player, I know Desmond Bain's going to be a solid uh, defender, and he's just going to have that same role of being that shooter for them. He's averaging around three threes a game as of right now, and obviously you have John Morant running the show. He just got to do his job, and I think he's more than capable of doing it. With Cole Anthony, obviously we're seeing him play excellent basketball, but we got to see it sustained over the season. It's not one of those where last season, obviously, Cole Anthony had flashes, but this season we're seeing him really take that next step in his game. So, obviously, he's been great, but is it sustainable? That's the question. I mean, when I see Cole, what he's doing right now, he is putting himself in the conversation with LaMelo and Edwards right now, the way he's playing. Oof. I would say... I understand what I the sentiment I understand. Like the other I just guys think that you have those two and then the t- it's a next tier after that. Like the other guys are solidified role players, Vassell, Sadiq Bay, Advia, Obi, Desmond Bain. For sure. Cole is the only one that's taking a lead role on his team. That's true. And the magic are competitive. Maxie. But I feel like Maxi too, yeah. yeah Maxi, of course. But he's one of those guys that also has that opportunity. Look at the rest of those guys. I mean, I just think that the Magic obviously are in a position where they need to trust the younger guys to do a little bit more, and Cole, Cole Anthony's clearly benefiting from that. The best, not too long ago, the best starting five in the in the NBA, net rating-wise, was Cole, Suggs, Wagner, Wendell, and Bamba. It's really been their best. Yo, Bamba that and Wendell leads. have been very We were clowning good. Bamba like not too long ago, too. That's the I like Bamba, part. though. I, I like him, like too. Him. I like Wendell, Wendell and you've been, you... I hate him. I hate him in Chicago. He's, yeah. He wasn't good. But he's basically doing what he was doing on Chicago, so no. I don't understand why you hate him. No, he I wasn't. mean, essentially, bro, he he, he averages wasn't. around a, tr- a double yeah, double. Yeah, yeah, I know you're gonna look at the numbers and think he was doing the same thing, but no, he wasn't as good defensively. Fair. That's the and one he thing I'll give stay you. On the court. That's that's the main thing for us. But you know, new environment, okay. new vibes. Mm-hmm. Orlando yeah. loves him. Yeah. yeah. So those are our top five breakout sophomores. Well, more like top eight, top nine yeah, breakout no, sophomores. We went through a few. Um. So next topic, the New York Knicks and. This is, our, this is our first time talking about them in a while. 
The Knicks are struggling. They lost to Orlando twice at home. I'm going to be on the six-man show this Sunday, and I'm going to talk about those games. Actually, it's funny. They replied to my Instagram story of of Q&As on Instagram, and they they were like, when should they rename MSG to Magic Square Garden? Because they beat us twice already. We lost to Orlando twice at home, Toronto, and the Bucks, and we had leads in those games. We're three and five at home and five and two on the road. We're 17th in points per game allowed, so our defense has gotten better. We have the 13th best net rating, but that's because of our bench. Our bench has drastically been better than our starting lineup. Kev, um, Kemba, RJ, Fournier, Mitch, and Randall. On the season, they have a negative 16 net rating, the second worst among lineups that have played 100 minutes or more. The only starting five that is worse is the Houston Rockets one, <laughs> and they're historically yeah, they're bad. bad. Rose, Quickly, Burks, Toppin, and Gibson have a plus 28 net rating, by far the best bench in the NBA. And everybody in the starting lineup is in the negative in terms of points allowed per possession. Kemba Walker is averaging 12 points per game, and even that is misleading because he's been so up and down. You know, these are just his points in the last couple of games. Four points, five points, eight points, two points, 26, 15. 15, like this guy, there's no consistency with Kemba. He doesn't have that same burst that he once had. I think he is more on the wash side than on the all-star side. Defensively, we know he's a liability. Fournier, ever since the the opening game, opening night versus the Boston Celtics where he had a career high in points, he's he's been Houdini. He's been been a disappearing act. Fournier is averaging 12 points per game, shooting 40% from the field like and 35% from the three. <laughs> and he really hasn't done anything since opening night. He's been a huge disappointment for me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> look at him. <laughs> look at him. Look at him. He's so sad. <laughs> He's so sad. <laughs> I'm Sorry. I will say this Reggie Bullock is actually negative for the Mavericks so Reggie Bullock hasn't been playing that was just a jab jab. (laughs) Julius Randle he looks like someone he looks like the 2019 version of himself and the 2020 the version. Yeah. yeah. He looks like the 2019 and 2020 version of himself combined. You know, the All-NBA <laughs> versus the complete scrub. He, right now, he's somewhere in the middle. And before the season, I thought Randall's points were going to go down. He's shooting 41% from the field, 35% from three. That efficiency has gone down, too. And R.J. Barrett shooting 15 point, um, averaging 15 a game, six rebounds, shooting 40% from the field and 32% from three. Before I get into the starters and completely bash them, because I'm going to do it, <laughs> we need to have a lineup change. <laughs> Emmanuel quickly needs to start. That's one. He needs over to start Fournier. over Kemba. Oh, okay. He needs to start over Kemba and be our point guard. At this point, he's just better than Kemba. But why it's not start obvious. Derek Rose? I understand. No, no, you no, no. Keep that he, he's, no, no, he's better on the bench. He's I guess, on the bench. but... Yeah, he's better on the bench. And frankly, I'm out on Kemba. Look, I think the Knicks, Tom Thibodeau, they should give him 10 to 15 more games. Mm-hmm. If things don't improve, you trade him if you even can yeah. <laughs> or you cut him. Yeah. Because at this point, I don't even want to see Kemba on the team because he brings no defense. I want quickly to start. 
and I want us to call up Deuce McBride mm-hmm. and have Deuce McBride come off the bench because if one thing's for certain, Deuce McBride is going to play elite defense. I mean, in college versus Cade Cunningham, he was amazing on him defensively. <laughs> so I want I want the the bench to be Deuce McBride, D Rose, Burks, Obi, and Gibson and or Noel. And I don't want Kemba on the roster. If he keeps playing like this in 15 more games, look, 30 games in, we've seen what you can do. That's almost halfway through the season. You don't, you're you're just not a fit for our culture. And I hate to say that because this is his homecoming, but it's not Kanye West homecoming. That's for sure. Not at all. You know, it's not. It's not that. It's not that. That's for sure. And here's another thing. But you know, I know everybody's bashing Fournier and Randall. But to me, I think Fournier, he's been disappointing, but he's been what we thought he would be. And the fact that he's been a little bit worse, but we know yeah, he's okay. a floor space. We know he's not a good defender. And it just sucks that before the season, Knicks fans, we're a passionate bunch, and we like to we like to overreact to things. So we thought Kemba and Fournier was a better offseason than Lonzo and DeMar. I just look at DeMar and be like, and, and I just think, what if he was on the Knicks, man? Like, DeMar would have just like been so amazing for us. This is interesting. But Fournier... <laughs> this is interesting. Fournier, he's getting paid a lot. Uh, you know, we know he's not that great. It's whatever. Julius Randle's been disappointing, but I don't want to just talk about Julius Randle. I want to talk about RJ right now. <laughs> Before the season, I said it. I don't think RJ is going to have a breakout season in the sense that I thought he was going to have. And he had a stretch where he was playing really well, and Drew came in the sh- came on the show, and he was like, "Man, that RJ breakout thing! It looks like you know you should have kept, you should have stayed true to that." Yeah. And in my head, I was just like, I, I was hesitant because I don't, I was like, "Okay, let's see if it if it uh, he keeps on doing this." Yeah, I think Knicks fans are hoping that RJ Barrett can become something that he's not, and I don't, I don't think he's a star player. I don't think he's a superstar player. Oof. I don't think he can be the second, third best player on a championship team. And in the offseason, when that dude from the Athletics, Seth Partnoy, made his list of players better than RJ, some of them I still disagree with. But the one that stood out was Caruso. You look at what Caruso's doing on Chicago. You look at the role that he's playing. He is better than RJ Barrett. Caruso is better than R.J. Barrett. The numbers don't show it. The box numbers don't show it. But do you watch them play? Alex Caruso (laughs) can go on any team and find his role. R.J. Barrett, you know, would would the Bulls right now trade Caruso for R.J. Barrett? I don't think they would because Caruso gives them elite defense. He pushes the pace in transition on the offensive side of the ball, and he can space the floor and is consistent. R.J. Barrett just doesn't have a solidified role in the NBA, and he's a weird fit. And that's also my gripe with Julius Randle because Julius Randle, the reason why this lineup is not working is because Randle last year was a heavy ISO player. Now when you have Fournier and Kemba, and that's taken away from Randle, we see that he doesn't look that good because Randle can't fit with other players. That's why, to me, I never thought Randle can be the first, second, even third best player on a championship team because his game style, the way he plays, it just can't fit with other players. He's a very isocentric player. But back to RJ Barrett, I just don't know what his role is, right? Like, he's not a creator. He's not a playmaker. He's not a good ISO scorer. He's not good in the pick and roll. He can't really handle the ball. And all he can really do 
is slash and score in transition. Yeah. If he's not scoring in transition, you're going to see an eight-point game from RJ. The only reason why he has those big games, like we saw in the, on the opening night versus the Celtics, his points in the second half were mostly in transition. If he's not scoring in transition, he's really not even on offense out there. Defenders are still leaving him wide open. Even though RJ hit 40% of his threes last year, defenders are still like, we still don't care. We still don't <laughs> trust your shot. Yeah. And so far, he hasn't been living up to his 40% billing from last season. And I know last season he started off slow as well, but it's something to be concerned about. When we look at players in the NBA that have a solidified role, when you talk about guards, scoring guards, combo guards, <laughs> pure point guards, lockdown defenders, you know, you have the Cole Anthony types, the LaMellos who can do everything, the Chris Paul types. Then you have the Pat Bev types, the Caruso types. When you look at wing players, point forward, it's like a Joe Ingles, Josh Giddy type of player, LeBron point forward. We know because he's an all-around player, though. 3 and D, Vassell, Mikel Bridges, those type of guys. What is RJ? He's not a 3 and D player. He's not a bucket getter. He's not a bona fide bucket. You can't give RJ the ball and say create something. You can't. He doesn't have a solidified role in the NBA, and it's because he has a weird skill set. And that's why I'm worried about RJ, and, and Knicks fans are hoping that he can become this star player, but I don't think that's in the cards for him. My career comparison for RJ is Harrison Barnes, and that's a nice career. Harrison Barnes is a nice player, but RJ, Harrison Barnes, the third overall pick, if if Knicks fans hear me say that, that I think his career comp is, oh, they're gonna hear you. is Harrison Barnes, they're going to be like, you're crazy, you're ridiculous. Have you seen RJ? He's only 21. But it's true. And the difference with Harrison Barnes is that he actually has a solidified role on a team. You know, he with the Warriors, <laughs> best regular season team of all time with Harrison Barnes. He had a role on that team. RJ is still struggling to find his role. I don't, I don't know if that's coaching. I don't know if that's his skill set, but that's just how I feel about R.J. Barrett right now. I see his career being anywhere from a 14 to 19 point per game score. If maybe a couple times in his career he goes to a, a horrible team like Dallas when Harrison Barnes went there, he can average 20, but he is what he is. And I don't think he's a star player. I don't think he can be one of the best players on the championship team. He has a weird skill set. And the Knicks kind of shot themselves in the foot by winning a lot last year. Because in this draft, we could have gotten a Scotty Barnes, a Cade Cunningham, and Evan Mobley and changed our franchise around. And I feel like us being competitive last year really messed us up because we didn't get another bona fide star. When you look at the players on the Knicks, Julius Randle, what team wants Julius Randle? No team wants Julius Randle. Teams that are looking to add a, one more player to get over the hump don't want him. A prime example, the Boston Celtics. We know they're like one or two players away. That one or two players isn't Julius Randle. They, they don't, I, don't, I don't even think they would think about trading for Julius Randle at all. R.J. Barrett, who really, you know, what's his trade value? Kemba has no trade value. Fournier has no trade value. Mitch has some trade value. Quickly has trade value, but we wouldn't trade quickly. You, Obi, you know, who really has trade value on the Knicks that we can trade for a star player? I can't really think of one. It'd be a lot of pieces to get a start. So player. for us, for us to really be, for us to really get over the hump, we need to draft well, and we have been drafting well, but we also needed to draft one of those top players in the draft. And 
last year we frankly missed out on it because we were competitive and I, I'd rather want that fourth seed, but I was hoping RJ would be better. And Knicks fans, they love RJ, so they're not holding him accountable, but he's in year three. I don't care about the contract Fournier and Randall are getting. At some point, you have to expect a lot from a player that's playing 30-plus minutes per game. Yep. That was a third overall pick that you expected to be a star. We look we look at Zion. He's a superstar. We look at Ja. He's a superstar. We look at RJ. What is he? We look at the fourth overall pick, Darius Garland. He's going to be a star. And people always say this is a wing league. Yeah, only if you have a superstar wing. Because a point guard is more important to a team than a than a good wing player. I'd rather have a De'Aaron Fox. I'd rather have Darius Garland than an R.J. Barrett or a Harrison Barnes. I'd rather have that. And we worked out De'Aaron Garland, Garland late um, before that draft. You know, there were rumors of us taking him, but we ultimately didn't take him. But It wasn't a bad pick. At the it time, wasn't a bad you, pick, but Darius Garland, upset. he looks like he's yeah, going to be a star. Right. And run that point guard position. I just don't know what R.J.'s role is. Because you have to think at the time, let's say you guys do take Darius Garland. Knicks fans are going crazy. They're not going to be happy with that. Obviously, R.J. Bear was the number one prospect coming out of high school going into college over Zion Williamson. Bing. Yeah. (laughs) But we've seen before that that doesn't even matter. If you look, True. if you look at the past ten years, players that have been the fir- the best player in their in their in their I high know, school but class, I'm just talking in terms of like fans and just people that just you know Isaiah Stewart was a top three player in his high school class. That's yep. cr- yeah, that's it, crazy. Well, it's, it's also the school you go to. He went to IMG, so yeah. you know that plays a. And RJ went to Montverde. Yeah, we're facing the Rockets. I think today, and after we play them, we're playing the Bulls, the Lakers, the Suns, the Hawks. Oh, it gets hard for you guys. It's getting tough. We're still and in that stretch. We, bro. we have to. Y'all have been doing. We have thing, to get out these wins. I don't know if you guys want to give your take on the Knicks because I feel like I, I, I kind of you, you did. A I lot. kind of did. I kind of said everything. You, but you if you guys have any pushback over what I said, you guys can say it right now. I the only pushback I have because for the most part. You said everything. Yeah, I didn't real, need to man. say much. I'm just laughing at this point. Your bench is really good, though. That's the one bright spot. The one thing I can say, though, with R.J. Barrett, I feel like you're being a little too hard. I feel like you are being just a little bit too hard. And and the reason why, I'm going to use a few examples. Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. You know, wings take time. Wings take a little bit of time in the league because they're the guy that essentially is the do-it-all guy for you. They're the guy who defends, who can hit the three-ball, who can go get a bucket, who has the playmaking in him, who rebounds. So they're the guys that have to understand every position because they're the guy that essentially does it all for you. I think right now, in in this position, I think it's too early to say RJ can't be a star, but I can definitely see why you say you know his game is very, very, very stiff and weird. Like it, it's just it's just a weird. It's it's. I don't know how to explain his game, but it's weird. He does only get his buckets in transition. His defense has lapsed a little bit this year. It's taken a step back. But I think it's still a little bit too early because he's only 21 years old. And guys, wings essentially take a long time to develop. And some of them don't get it going until about year four, year five. I'm just, go ahead, I'll be the first one to say that I have a tendency to overreact to things. <clears throat> but for the most part, when I overreact, it's always on the basis of a lot of hard facts. And... When we look at that 2019 draft class that R.J. Barrett was selected in, we took him over guys like Garland, over DeAndre Hunter. I think he's better than Hunter, but it's, I mean, it's really a toss-up. close now. Because Hunter can actually play a solidified role. Um, and Tyler Hero. I tweeted it the other day. Knicks fans are the only fan base that thinks R.J.'s better than Hero. It's not even close. Tyler Hero as a rookie 
was a pivotal part to a team making a championship. As in his second season, yeah, he dropped off. He wasn't good in the playoffs. But all RJ did in his second season was was closing up the gap between him and Hero. But then right now in the third years, Tyler Hero, whether he's off the bench, whether he's starting, he's giving you 20 and 6 every single night and rebounding the ball very well. I told my cousin this last year because off the air, I've been saying Hero is better than RJ. It's just I have to keep my Knicks fandom up. You know, I, I, I got I got to believe in my players. I respect it. But off camera, I've been telling my cousin this for the last year. Hero is better than RJ. When you look at Hero's game versus RJ, Hero is a bona fide scorer, a shot creator, a playmaker. Offensively, he's just better. RJ can't create. He is stiff as a stick. He is really stiff. He, he doesn't handle the ball very well. The only thing you can say about the Hero versus RJ debate is that RJ is a better defender. And even then, am I taking RJ's defense over what Hero no. gives me on offense? No way. Absolutely <clears throat> not. No. Hero is a prime time performer. I just think it's unacceptable. RJ the other night played 20 plus minutes and had two points. That's just unacceptable. No, I agree. And he has games where he goes eight for 13 and scores 20. And then he has games where he goes one for nine, two for two for 13, four for 15. And he he's just inefficient. He has to be more stable as a player before I can put him with Harrow. Because Harrow, every single night, you know what it is. He's a dog. Every single night. Only thing I'll say is why I am kind of giving RJ a little bit more of a, you know, some leeway is because his entire basketball career, probably, his entire life, he's been the primary guy on every team that he's been on. Even on Duke, obviously, he had Zion as as a counterpart on that team. But he still felt confident enough to to take last-second shots. He was put in that position to still be a primary ball handler. On the Knicks, really, the Knicks don't look at him as that primary guy, and for obvious reasons. Obviously, Julius Randle last season was your guy last year. Even even in the postseason, D. Rose had more responsibility than he has. And I'm sure it's been difficult for him to to handle that and and adjust to to the to the Knicks role that or you know whatever role that the Knicks are trying to give him. I think that it's going to be a little bit of, of it's going to take a little bit of time for RJ to to realize. Okay, I'm not. The guy that I once was on Duke in in high school. I'm not that in the NBA, and and it's going to take some time for him to adjust to that role. And I think he will find that role. It's just a, a mental battle right now of finding himself in the NBA. But even then, on Duke, him having the ball that much is probably a mistake because they I mean, had he, he still he won some games for them. But no, you're right, he did. But I mean, it was clear as day right. that whenever Zion touched the ball, good things happened. But that, and they didn't give Zion the ball. Yeah, that was a mis- that that's definitely a mistake because obviously Zion is leaps and bounds better than RJ, and that's just a firm fact. I'm just saying RJ really has never experienced a life where or any kind of or you know any type of time in his if, basketball career where you, he wasn't the dude. If you are good enough, you transcend your role. I agree. John Morant went to Memphis. He was good enough to say, "This is my team from day one." Zion was good enough to say, this is my team from day one. Darius Garland was good enough to say, I'm the point guard. This is, I'm running the show. I'm going to have the ball. There's no doubt. Tyler Hero, I'm good enough to, to be a primetime player. Yeah. He, you know, he's doing his thing. RJ, maybe, I don't think it's a confidence issue because he has a lot of confidence. He just hasn't, you guys, he hasn't really, he hasn't 
made a statement. You guys bringing in Kemba, bringing in Fournier are two players that are obviously taking away opportunities from RJ. And I'm sure that probably just, I wouldn't say it killed his confidence, but because obviously he's had moments where he has good games, but it's just more in players that are just taking chances away from RJ. This is the thing. Like if it was I, I an think, RJ, Julius Randle type one, this, two, this maybe. Is, this is the thing. I think that too many times we look at that in his rookie season, the the gripe, um, you know, the, because last year he was good. His rookie season, the RJ defenders were like worst spacing in the league. Yeah, well, I saw Zion last year with the worst spacing, have a historic second year. It's Zion. We can't. I know it's Zion. I know can't. it's Zion, but I mean, this guy's a third overall pick. That's fair. You know, you should at least perform at an All Star level at in your third year. And his second season, there's a little bit more spacing, but not that great. This year, it was oh, now RJ has spacing. Year three, RJ, you haven't seen it. You just haven't seen it. I mean. Spacing to a degree, it's like the two players that you brought in that would bring spacing over the listen, you guys have had a rough November. The last seven games, you have Fournier averaging seven points per game, thirty seven field goal percentage. You got Kemba nine points. They're not gonna leave Fournier open though. No, they're definitely spacing is still they're leaving RJ open. Fair enough, but it's not like these guys are 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 helping him out by making shots. These guys are being very inefficient and not fulfilling the role that they were brought in for. Your argument is spacing. If even if a shooter isn't hitting shots, you're still not gonna the spacing is still gonna be there because they're not gonna leave him open. Oh, I so agree with that. So yeah. RJ still has the opportunity to do things. The problem is he's not skilled enough to be Agreed. able to do that at the Definitely. moment. Definitely. I agree. So, yeah, that's my gripe with RJ right now. I hope he picks it up. And yeah. I, look, I would be happily wrong about him. Bing bong. But for right now, I, I just have a gut feeling about RJ and what he's going to be and what I think he's not. Yeah. And I think the entire fan base is hoping that he can be the savior of the team because he was our highest draft pick in the last couple of years, so he has high expectations. I just don't know if he's going to be what we all think he's going to be or what a lot of the Knicks fans think he's going to be. And what makes it all worse is that I look at the Dallas Mavericks right now, mm. and Christos Porzingis is averaging 20-8, and eight, and the NBA is such a year-to-year thing for the most part. In some instances, in the Julius Randle's first year with the Knicks, Everybody's like, oh, man, look, the Knicks really gave up KP and got Randall. Second season, Randall All-NBA. Oh, look, the Mavericks, they're a laughing stock. Oh, look what they gave up for KP and all this stuff. Then in the third year, it looks, it looks like KP is, close, is closing up the gap between him and Randall. And it's like, wow, KP looks great again. And Dallas looks great. They are 9-5, and five, but their best wins have come against the Nuggets and Celtics. Yep. Frank Nilakina is starting to solidify a role with this team, shooting 40% from the three-point line, playing excellent defense. Their other wins have come against the Spurs, Pelicans, Rockets, and Kings. So not great wins. They're minus 1.2 in net rating, the 20th in the NBA, 18th in offensive rating, 17th in defensive rating, and 12th in opponents' points per game. Do you think the Mavericks can sustain this? Because I know before the season, at least I was very low on the Mavericks. I didn't think they were going to be that good so far they have been better than i expected they were going to be i think riv thought the same thing i'm not sure what you thought i kind of forgot what you thought about the mavericks but we all had them making the playoffs we just thought they weren't going to be a top six seed in the playoffs at least i didn't so are the mavericks proving us wrong so far do you think they can continue to prove us wrong yeah they're definitely for me personally they're proving me wrong you know i didn't i thought they would be an eighth seven seed team you know i guess the 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 thing I think what's triggering me the most about why they've been so successful is when Luka goes to the bench, the drop-off isn't what it was before. You know, I think Jalen Brunson 
being that guy and emerging into that guy, I think that's definitely helped him. Kristaps Porzingis, he's looked good the last five games. He's had a more defined role. And the team just looks more, you know, they're they're 18th to offensive rating, 17th to defensive rating. So they've been middle of the pack on offense and defense. They've just been middle of the pack, and they've been able to ground out and scratch out some wins. A lot of it is Luka Magic, and then, you know, the team just helping them out. I think this team, can it keep it going? You know, playing like this, middle of the pack, you know, we still have to wait and see. The Lakers, they've been unhealthy. Tonight they got Phoenix. Luca's doubtful. You know, he we don't know. Then they got back to back games in Los Angeles against the Clippers. You know, the Clippers have been tough. Then they got Washington, then Cleveland, then the Pelicans twice. So they got some they got some hard games. It's it's really, you know, wins against the Pelicans, against the Spurs, wins against the King. They they their schedule has been okay for the most part. I think keeping it if they're gonna continue this pace. I think we have to see just a little bit more from Luka. That defense has to step up a little bit. You know, middle of the pack can only get you so far, especially when the Lakers, LeBron's eventually going to come back. You know, the Clippers are still good. Memphis is good. Phoenix is good. Jamal Murray eventually is going to come back. You know, Denver, even without Jamal Murray, Denver's good. I I believe MPJ is going to pick it up eventually. So Utah is still good. So it's going to be, we're getting into that part of the season where the separation is going to start to happen. And I think Dallas isn't going to separate themselves, but I don't think they're going to fall off. They're probably going to stay within their rights of where they are. So right now, what are they, the fourth seed in the West right now, correct? I'm almost positive last I checked. But so I went back and to make sure that, yeah, to make sure that I I wasn't about to lie to you guys. I went to my preseason rankings and I had Dallas at six. So that top six, I had them exactly at six. And it was mostly based off of Luka Doncic being a top five at his best player in the NBA. Obviously, Luka has the capabilities of one day being potentially the best player in the NBA, and he's been extremely solid for them, just being Luka Doncic, averaging around 25, his 8-7. and seven. He's Luka Doncic. Obviously, he's amazing. The question mark was going to be the extracurriculars of the team. Obviously, uh, KP. Obviously, Tim Hardaway Jr., we didn't see Jalen Brunson really taking this this leap, this much of a leap going into this season. Obviously, he's been a huge contributor for them as well. But obviously, Christos Porzingis is what's allowing this team to to gather some wins. Like you mentioned, their their only really impressive wins were were the Nuggets and the Celtics. But I'll give them credit for that Nuggets win because they got smoked by them the first time they met up, and it was nice to see them bounce back and get that win. Earlier in the season, I was like, ah, I'm not so sure about the Mavs because the schedule was that, that they had, it was relatively easy, but they're putting up good numbers. Nine and five record this early in the season is obviously good to see, but mostly Christos Porzingis having the role that he is having this early in the season, at least. I want to see it sustained for the rest of the year because when we saw them at their best that first year together in the bubble against the Clippers, what made them so successful? It was Christos Porzingis. As great as Luka is, obviously, he's their best player. You need that second option to release some pressure off of, of off of Doncic. And KP was doing that. He gets hurt. The Mavericks really don't look the same. And it was understandable. The next season after that, KP and Luka had some issues. Really couldn't get it going because Luka was being a little bit too ball dominant. But this season, we're seeing him actually trust KP. And so I think it is sustainable. I just think that we need to be a little bit more... I wouldn't say we need to be. I just think that they need to be more consistent with this with this game plan that they have right now. Continue to feed KP. Obviously, let Luca be Luca, but you need that second option. You want to have success, and I think that that's what they'll do. The Mavericks have been proving me wrong. They have been surprising me so far, and they're another thing that I I would be I would gladly be wrong about them. 
Luka Doncic is one of my favorite players in the NBA. When Harden retires, he's going to be my favorite player in the NBA by far. I'm a Luka fanatic. I love Luka Doncic. He's one of my favorite players. Jalen Bronson has been doing this for a while. It's just now getting recognized. But last year, I made a film analysis on on Jalen Brunson because part of the reason why Dallas doesn't drop off that much, even when Luka is off the court, is because of their guard play. And Jalen Brunson last year, per 36, was averaging like 16 and 6 or 16 and 7, somewhere around there. He was just exceptional. This year, when he got the chance to start some games, he really showed out. And even last year when he started... He was amazing. Definitely. We know what Luka is. He's giving you 25 a game this year, eight rebounds, eight assists. He could be a bit more efficient, but Luka has been amazing like always. KP, they are playing they are they are playing him through the paint much more this year. He's getting much more post touches. I think Jason Kidd has kind of brought in a different dimension to what they want to do both offensively and defensively, and he was somebody that when he got hired as a coach I wasn't that high on, but I'll be happily wrong about him as well because he's been doing a solid job thus far. Jalen Brunson, 15-5, and 50% from the field, 35% from three. His ability to finish at the basket, to blow by defenders, is really great. And this guy right now is relegated to a bench role, but he's a starting point guard. There's yes. no doubt. And yep. he is an above-average starting point guard he is a a goddamn good player at Villanova he was that as well I mean at Villanova he was a dog and Tim Hardaway Jr. averaging 15 the Lakina is finding his role there versus the Nuggets I was watching that game and Jason Kidd he went with the small ball lineup in the fourth that really made a run I think they went on a 17 to 9 run with the small ball lineup it featured Jalen Brunson Hardaway Jr. Finney Smith Reggie Bullock, and it might have been Dwight Powell. I'm not really sure if it was him. I forgot who the fifth player was, but they're just generating a lot of good shots, a lot of three-point shots, and this team has the spacing to fit around Luka. If KP can stay healthy and be what we thought he was going to be when he went to Dallas, then this is a team that is scary because Luka, we know he's a primetime performer. KP... These past playoffs didn't perform his best, but in the bubble, he was flat out amazing. So if they have KP playing at that level, the sky is the limit for this team. And look, I like Dallas. I like Dallas a lot. I wasn't high on them coming into the season because in free agency, they didn't do anything. It was Reggie Bullock, Nolakina, and who else? You know, they really didn't do anything. But these, they are the the Dallas Knicks right now. They have a lot of our players, you know, Hardaway Jr., Nolakina, Reggie Bullock, Chris Tops. This is the Trey Dallas Burke. Trey Burke. This is the Dallas Knicks right now, and they're playing. They're playing really great, and they have been proven as wrong. There's no doubt. It was just one thing to to consider was that you have Luca. With that alone, that should be enough to make you at least somewhat successful. Obviously, the West is difficult, and there's a lot of talent in the West. But Luca is a rare breed. He's that type of player that can impact the game so much that it's going to result in wins and it's going to make them a higher seed in the West. So that's why I wasn't overreacting to them not making enough moves because ultimately, as long as you have Luca and with the free agency class, I keep mentioning next season, they're going to be in play with that one. They're going to want to spend more money. They don't have to pick. No, I'm saying in terms of oh, spending money sorry. next season. That, I don't care about the draft for, for the for the Mavs. All good, man. Uh, but 
you have Luka Doncic and you have Christoph Porzingis. As long as you could have made that work, you didn't really need to go out and spend money needlessly. Would DeMar DeRozan have been nice? 100%. I don't know. I think if they would have gotten a Kyle Lowry or DeRozan, it takes him over the top. I think DeRozan, I agree with that for sure. But I don't think they needed Kyle Lowry as much as you would have loved you would have loved DeMar DeRozan, obviously given his offensive play this this far into the season, the success that the Bulls have had. But I think that it'll all be worth it if one, they have playoff success this season, and two, if they go out next season, they actually make a big splash. You know, I I don't know. DeMar DeMar to Dallas, I don't know if he would have played at the same level. Because Luke is so ball dominant. I don't I, I don't know. They don't play at a high tempo. Yeah. Chicago we, we're very plays at a very high up tempo. Up and down. That's we, true. We move the ball. That's true. And that's I think that's Larry would have been more uh, better for, for Dallas. Larry would have solidified Larry would have gave them run. What happens with Jalen Brunson? He's off the bench he's right now. Bench no, for sure. Bench but then what would the lineup be? You obviously have to start Lowry. You start Luca, then you start Hardaway Jr. For sure, you have to. Finney Smith. And then Dwight Powell or KP. Yeah. Right now, it's Dwight Powell and KP at the 4 and 5. Yeah. But then I feel like we don't see that emergence from Jalen Brunson that we're you seeing this season. You still get it. And then you can play both of them in the back. I mean, last Brunson's year. Still, he's up four points from last year. You can play. Brunson is a sh- in shorter than Tyler Hero. You can play both of them in okay. the backcourt, like okay. uh, Larry and mm-hmm. uh, Brunson. And both of them play good defense. Mm-hmm. So, uh, And both of them move the ball. Both of them can shoot, and they're playmakers. So having two playmakers in the backcourt along with I mean, Luka. This is the thing. This is why I think people are now catching to, catching up to what Jalen Brunson is doing. But last year, he averaged 13. He's playing five more minutes this season. But he averaged 13 last season, shot 52% from the field and 40% from three. Yeah, he was a solid ball player so last year. He's. I don't think he's playing at a at – a, He's. I don't think he's playing better this season. He's just getting more. He's just getting more minutes. But that's exactly and he got what I'm a saying. chance to start. You would have brought in Lowry, you but he's not starting right now though. He would have no, still. I, I even if Lowry went to Dallas, Brunson would have played twenty five to thirty minutes a game. Yeah, but then I don't think that he has the impact that he's having. That he's obviously having this season. So what's the difference between Lowry and Hero? Obviously, Hero scores more. No, no, no Harrow's coming no, off the bench right no, now. I'm saying Hero is coming off the bench. Uh, so I understand what you're what's saying. What's the difference between Lowry taking away opportunities from Hero versus Brunson? But isn't Hero taking minutes away from Duncan Robinson? No. Isn't Duncan Robinson the two? Duncan Robinson starts. And, yeah, but that's more exactly what I'm saying. No, Tyler Hero is definitely but, but, but better than Duncan. Hero still get, Hero Tyler plays a point guard. Uh, Lowry doesn't take a lot of shots in Miami. Uh-huh. So he, Ter- Hero still gets his same things. Robinson still gets his same. Lowry just plays the point guard. Uh-huh, he plays a deep. Yeah, that's what he does. Okay. Fair enough. It's just, uh, I don't know. If, I don't know. It's a tough one for me. I was looking at stats in Minnesota. They actually have one of the better net ratings when they have this lineup on the floor. Pat Bev, Russell, Anthony Edwards, Vanderbilt, and Cat. That's a good Be- lineup. Because, because of D'Lo's injuries and Pat Bev getting suspended, they haven't been out there. But when they have been... They, Scary hours? They lost to Phoenix by two points the other night. I watched it. They, they blew it. They just dom- Yeah, they did blow it. They blew they it. They just dominated San Antonio, which they've been competitive this season. Don't. I, I'm not sleeping on Minnesota. Don't sleep on Minnesota. They are you, coming. You can't sleep on Minnesota. They are coming. Coming where? I'm saying you. You can't sleep on If they on stay them. healthy. Coming where? With, 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 D, with D-Lo, Pat Bev, Jay Vando. Listen, I think they'll be a playing team. Look, Edwards just has to be more efficient. I think he just needs to solidify that role. And we're going to talk about a potential Suns and Timberwolves trade. But before that, we're going to talk about a potential way for you to make some money. Amen. And NHL season is underway in DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NHL has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game 
and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clap or a deft deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Listen, last time I said throw your money on the Rangers. We've been averaging around like two, three goals a game. It was dicey. They scored. Keep it up. Keep putting your money on the Rangers. We got postponed on Saturday. We play Sunday. We're playing against the Sabre. They're not that best, that great of a team. We've been hot. Throw that dollar on the Rangers. See what happens. Every single time I get the chance to talk to the audience in an honest and genuine way, not saying the sports takes aren't honest because they are, but I'm talking about like real life conversation. We know sports is just sports for the most part. Um, I get emotional. I am a cancer, even though I, I'm not, I don't believe in Zodiac signs too much, but. I know, bro. Yeah. Um, we got you. It's still surreal to me how we are sponsored by DraftKings and we had the Basketball Podcast Network reach out to us to join their network as an affiliate and we still own everything. And we're at a position right now that. We're we're making some okay money from this, no you know, doubt. some okay money where Riv doesn't have to work as much hours as he's he's working. I mean, you just put in your two weeks notice, yeah, right? She, yeah, she t- she talking about some. All right, I just need you to work like these last two weeks, eighty, and then you're done. I was like, cool. You've been putting in a lot of time, man. That's, Shout out to you, bro. Yeah. yeah. So now Riv has more time. Drew is still in nursing school. I'm actually thinking about not even going to college next semester because I want to kind of be all in on this. I'm still. Up in the air, air about it. Seton Hall hasn't been what I thought it was going to be when I first got there, uh, you know, due to a lot of situations. But it is what it is. I'm just happy we're doing this right now because I'd rather be doing this than being a broadcaster at Seton Hall or doing that because having people that listen to our show, a loyal fan base, it's, it's just really been awesome. It's been really surreal. And I think this is just the beginning for us. And, you know, I was listening to a Drake interview one time. And he was talking about how he doesn't look back at his journey. He does, he, cause he's always looking forward to things. And I think I do that a lot. Like I rarely, like, you know, if we get an email about the downloads we had this past week, I see that in the moment, I'm really happy, but then I move on. I'm not really stuck in the past about, oh, we did this, that, 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 that. I'm just always moving on. And because I'm doing that, I don't get to appreciate what I what I, I don't get to appreciate the current moment as much as I should, but I feel like when it's all said and done, I'll look back on the moments and be like, that you was really that. awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, like Drake, he just kept going and then, you know, he's the greatest ever. Yeah, he's the greatest ever on in the Grammy stage. He's like looking back at it. You know, Vatable. I see I see all that all that I've accomplished, but I just love that this is this was built from the ground up, you know, like literally. You know, we start. You know, our first year doing the podcast, we didn't have a thousand subscribers. We would get fourteen views on a YouTube video, and we would still post like we were getting thousands on TikTok. Crazy, we didn't use man. TikTok on Instagram. Like on Instagram, we're almost at two thousand followers. On TikTok, we're at forty-two thousand. 
on YouTube, we're gonna get we're gonna get to ten thousand. This past week, we were the thirty third best basketball podcast in the United States of America in terms of rankings, and just having all that, it's like we've reached that level, and we're like, wow, that's dope. And we want more. We we want more, but it's also crazy to think about all the people that look at what we're doing and they're like, man, we wish we could be, we, we wish we could get to their level and we're over here like we wish we could get to yeah, that we want, level. We want more and more and more. I we feel like we're settle. so nonchalant about it now at this point. We're just like, oh, okay, yeah. We just got to keep going, keep pushing. That's like, it. It's cool. That's and that's the thing about it. it because can't get caught up. I, yeah, don't get caught up and keep, you know, pushing for more. Like, that's really what it is. But, you know, this started from nothing. So anybody out there that's listening, nah, literally. if you really put in the work, you can do it. It, it takes... A, it, luck is involved of course but patience persistence and having a plan you can do anything and that goes for anything in life whether it's you know a podcast doing youtube job your career it, it really is for anything and you know i wanted to say that because i think we're at a point now where it's kind of getting real for us definitely in terms of like this can be something legit and real for real man well yeah. said happy thanksgiving <laughs> we gotta we gotta host a friendsgiving that'd be lit that would be lit you know, I tough. heard that Kyle Anderson, because Kyle Anderson is from Jersey. He actually lives in, well, his grandparents live in Fairview, but he grew up in Fairview, which is not, it's like by Cliffside Park. And for Thanksgiving, he's giving away one free turkey per family. That's really? Dope. Yeah. That's really cool of him. Yeah. I'm trying to think, if we have friends giving, what we eating? Mac and cheese, turkey, some yams. You got to have at least a slice of turkey. I don't eat mac and cheese. What? What? What do you mean? Why not? I don't like it. You don't what? like mac and cheese? Nah, I don't like the texture. You mean what McDonald's? No. Why don't you like the texture? Chicken. It's too soft. It's just nasty. I like yams. You like it hard? I don't. <laughs> when I go to Thanksgiving in my house, I get uh, I'll get bread like the biscuits. I'll get yams, chicken, the Pillsbury rice, biscuits, the Jamaican rolls. Okay, okay, and that's what I'll eat. I'll eat I like a big plate of yams. They no, don't. Now yams not it for me. I love yams. Okay. And then cabbage, I like cabbage. Collard greens, I like collard greens, but I don't. You know what? I just found out that Brussels sprouts makes you shit. Yeah, man. But I'm not surprised. They look like they would do something. I ate Brussels sprouts because I I ordered Smash Burger and I had like the roasted Brussels sprouts. Mm -hmm. And I I ate a couple and I'm like. Bro, was in the bathroom. I ate a couple. I went outside to sit on my porch for a little bit (laughs) and I was just chilling. And then my stomach started to bubble up. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, okay, I'm gonna wait like a couple minutes before I actually need to go to yeah. the bathroom. And I was in the middle of doing something and I had to finish what I was doing. But my yo, once I finished, mm. I ran back inside. <laughs> I could feel, I could feel, I could feel a slither oh. coming out oh, my ass. No. And oh, I'm like, no. damn. Then was, I reached it was a, one of those. Then I reached the toilet and I'm like, ah. Now, I feel like those, like those are like the best. Just, those are the best shits though. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Look, you, we're, get, we're getting into a shit conversation, but that is not that is not a lie. When you're like, oh, last second shot clock cheese, you just get yeah, to I the gotta toilet, wait just bro. until it really <laughs> hits the like, near not, point. Like you haven't even sat down, you just letting it all go. You don't That's even touch you know. your phone. You exactly. just, just put your head down and just go. Like those are the best ones. Have you ever sharded? <laughs> no, probably when I was younger. Nah, but I have. As, an, as a man, an adult, no. As, as a teenager, yeah, definitely. You sharded before? Yeah. When I, remember when I used to live over there uh, in Hackensack, like on South Hackensack? So. You probably don't. I don't. Yeah, that's why uh, I just the, keep going with but shit. But I used to live over there by um Jackson Avenue. And when I used to live over there, I when we was going to the middle school and I used to go I went to the uh home and my, I forgot my key in the house and my mother and my brother 
my brother was going to a Catholic school, so she had to go pick him up. I was standing outside for like 15 minutes, bro. And like the neighbors weren't home, so I, cause I have a spare key, but I have to get in the crib first. Yeah. And I'm like, nah, this shit about to come out, bro. I just, I could just feel, I was trying to sit out. You know how we try to sit out and make sure that the uh-huh. shit goes back uh-huh. up? It didn't work, so I fixed sharded. And as I sharded, my mom pulled up right when I started. No. I was like, damn. She was like, what's what's that smell? And I was like, nothing. Just come on, let's go up this. <laughs> what's your sharded story? Oh, it's pretty ugly. So we were coming home from Florida. Or not, excuse me. We were, com- we were in Disney, excuse me. We were going home, leaving Disney. And it's like a two-hour ride back to where we were staying. So we were in uh, Palm Coast. That's where my grandfather used to live. But we are coming from, Di- from Orlando. So it was a drive. And we had Uno's, and that Uno's just was, oh, it was doing something crazy to me. It was, like, my stomach was, it was just doing backflips. It was just horrible. And I'm I'm in pain, and I'm talking <laughs> to my pops, and I tell him, like, yo, you got, like, please get out. He's like, we're only 15 minutes away. Can you hold it? And I wish he never said that to me because it just gave me, like, the comments. All right, 15 minutes, I could do it. We passed the exit. It just only gets worse. I tell him, pull over. Like, uh, no sooner than 30 seconds, I tell him, pull over. He's like, we only, we got, we're about to be home. Don't worry. I tell him, pull over. It was like one of those that had to like hunch up and like clench my cheeks so I didn't, so I didn't shit myself. Bro, it was like, I go and I clench and I just feel it just start to come out of me. I'm just like, you gotta be, you gotta be kidding me. He stops the car and like, I go to step out, but the car's still moving. So my foot just drags back. I almost get yanked out of the car. He finally stops. I pull over. I'm on the side of the highway, just letting it all go, bro. Bro, it was, and this is, I'm. I was a teenager, so it wasn't like I was like seven, eight years old. Yeah. But I was like fifteen years old, and I straight up was. Sh- was but you know what shard it is, right? Oh, the, you shit a little bit, like you fart and you shit. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yes. This is nasty. I actually, I had a funny sharded story. So I was talking to my dad one time. We was in the living room, and we're just laughing. We're having a good time. We're telling stories, and my dad tells this joke, and it was one of those like corny dad jokes, but it was funny for some reason. It hit, and. Before that time, I didn't have to go to the bathroom. I was just having a regular conversation. He tells a joke. I laugh. And as soon as I laugh, I can (laughs) feel a sensation going down my chest, down to my butt. And I just shit. And I'm like... (laughs) And I'm, I'm like, ha ha ha, and I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, like you make when you short, you just sit there like looking around like. My dad's, my dad's telling the joke. I laugh and I'm laughing and I, and then as soon as I short, I look at my dad and I'm like, (laughs) and he's just like, what happened? I'm like, I just shit myself. (laughs) I was like, your joke was that funny that I shit myself. Yeah, that's comedy, bro. Those be the scariest ones where you just like, all right, I just got to rip ass real fast. You rip ass and then you're just like, oh my God, I really just shit myself. You ever, you ever are in class and you no, just I hope that- I don't rip ass in class, thank God. But you don't, you don't, like, you don't even silent fart in class? No. I hate, bro, I hate, hate, hate people that rip ass in class. <laughs> I'm just like, come on, yo. Like, I'm here, I have to, I, I 100% have to go to the bathroom and rip ass. But I'm here champing it through because I want to learn. I'm holding it in. And you have no decency to do that. You know what's funny, though, is that, you know, you know, sometimes when you're in a public place, well, when you are in a public place and you need to fart, you make sure that it comes out silently, right? Of course. You like, you know, you clench your cheeks to make sure it comes out. But sometimes that little bubble makes a sound. So sometimes there are some times where I've never done it in class, but I always have. I always have anxiety that I'm going to silent fart and it's going to come out loud. Now, there's been moments where like we in the gym and uh, 
we waiting for next and I'll rip ass and just walk away. Like <laughs> <laughs> you're a demon. You're a demon. Like it'll be mad like I just walk away and like go rip ass somewhere else, but I never stand where I fart. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, yeah I we, just walk away. When I played on Garfield, when I played basketball for their team, we were doing this uh this like layup drill and before practice had started, uh we had it was Thanksgiving. It was near Thanksgiving, so we had like turkey and mashed potatoes. We had a weird combination of food that really, you know, everybody's stomach was kind of weird. And we were doing a layup line, and it was my turn. And as soon as I finished my last layup, I I fart. <laughs> <laughs> and then my teammate, his name is Angel, funny as hell, cool ass dude. He's next. Mm-hmm. And while he's doing the layup, he's like, oh! <laughs> he's like, oh my God, yo! <laughs> he's coughing and shit. He was like, what's that smell, bro? What the hell? And I'm just laughing, bro. I'm laughing my ass off. <laughs> He walked into he walked into nah, a, there's some grimy. We walked into on, a realm of gas. Now the locker room gets nasty. That's the one thing I don't miss about sports. People were gross. So on to the next topic. We got a little bit off track there. The Suns are on the Phoenix Suns are on a 10 game winning streak. And they look very good. They've, you know, on this 10 game winning streak, they haven't beaten the best teams, but they have been some great performances. They've been the Cavs, the Pelicans, Rockets, Hawks, Kings, Blazers, Grizzlies, Rockets, Timberwolves, and Mavs. D-Book averaging 23 a game, 8 and 16 and 12. CP3 14 and, 14 and 11 almost. He's been a, a point god. And they have just been playing well all around. But in this segment, I want to run you guys by a potential trade that I had because... We know out of Minnesota, the Timberwolves have been more competitive as of recently, but I think if, if they keep playing, if they you know go on a losing streak, it's only a matter of time that Cat might want to ask for a trade. So if I'm Minnesota, or if I'm Phoenix, this depends, this depends on the potential trade I had. This is a potential Suns and Timberwolves trade. Let me know what you guys think of it. The Suns get Carl Anthony Towns. And the Timberwolves get DeAndre Ayton, Cam Johnson, Jalen Smith, or Dario Saric, and two first-round picks. Are you accepting that? Considering the fact that, you know, you put everything into play, Minnesota, Cat acts, for, acts out, Minnesota, I think you say Phoenix. If I'm Phoenix, hell yeah. If I'm Minnesota, this is probably the best offer you're going to get. And I think DeAndre Ayton being as young as Anthony Edwards, you know, D'Lo still being young, you still maintain – that you actually get better a little bit on the defensive end. You obviously lose offense, but I think DeAndre Ayton would be a great pick-and-roll guy for D'Angelo Russell. You bring in Cam Johnson, who I think is at this point better than Jaden McDaniels at the four. You know, he can space the floor. He can defend also. And then you get two first-round picks. You know, so it's like, all right, you're still – and it, I think Cat is a great player. I think he's a great talent. But I think in terms of impact, I think DeAndre Ayton, Cam Johnson, and you said Sarek, right? Sarek or Jalen Smith. I think they can provide – all of them together can provide what Cat provides from an impact standpoint. I think Cat is a phenomenal talent, and he's a star in this league. But I think, you know, and with Phoenix, looking at it from a Phoenix standpoint, you know, they're fourth in defensive rating. So they, they've been a lead on the defensive end this year. Cat, he's been – the effort is there on defense this year. If you're watching Minnesota's games, the effort is definitely there. He's definitely improved on the defensive end. He wants to win. He looks like it. You bring in a guy – who can give you 25 and 13 on a nightly basis. This puts you in that conversation with a healthy Clippers, with a healthy Lakers, with the Warriors. Like, this thrusts you into that and ahead of Utah. This puts you in that conversation. Like, yo, we can seriously win the chip, and all the narratives that people were talking about can be dead. You know, we can beat any healthy team in this league. 
Now we have Chris Paul, who looks like 2013 Chris Paul. You know, his assist-to-turnover ratio is ridiculous. He, and he's playing defense, and he's old as hell. He has a bald spot, and he's still doing what he does. Then you got Devin Booker. Then you still got Mikael Bridges. You're still able to keep your 3 and D guy. Jay Crowder, who's probably who's better than Cameron Johnson at this point. You were still able to Ooh. keep him. He they, is. He is, he is he better. Is. But Cam, I mean, they play the same role right yeah. now. So I would say Jay yeah. Crowder is better for the veteranship. You know, he's yeah. better than Tangibles there. Then you still keep campaign Landry Shaman off the bench, and That's you bring big. in Cat. This is this is a huge. This definitely puts Phoenix up in that conversation. And championship caliber teams make risky moves like this. If they trade for Cat, they have three All NBA caliber players. They have a top three center in the NBA. They have a top. Five point guard and Chris Paul in the NBA. They have a top five shooting guard in Devin Booker, and they still have that depth. Before you go, Drew, mm-hmm. DeAndre Ayton, he didn't get paid this offseason. And this is another underrated aspect about the trade. Minnesota has to pay Ayton and Cam Johnson. They're both on expiring deals. I've read that because I put this trade out on Twitter. I've read that some people, the deal breaker in this deal is Cam Johnson. And I'm wondering why. He averages seven he, he averages seven a game, yeah. shooting 36% from three, but 53% from the corner. So he's he's pretty much automatic from the corner. But in saying that, Carl Anthony Towns is is definitely significantly better than DeAndre A. And it's not even close. And frankly, JaVale McGee has been better than DeAndre Ayton this season. And I know you're going to be like, that sounds crazy. DeAndre Ayton, look what he did in the playoffs. Look at these numbers. DeAndre Ayton is averaging 16 and 12. 0.6 blocks per game, shooting 62% from, from, from the field. McGee's averaging 10 and 7 and 16 a game. Per 36, that's like 20 and 14. He's given a great impact. He's averaging 1.1 blocks per game in 16 minutes, shooting 67% from the field. You look at McGee and Aiton's on and off numbers, McGee is plus nine. Aiton is minus six per 100 possessions. Aiton, 7.3 points allowed per 100 possessions. McGee is at negative 7.5. McGee has been a better defender. He's been a better offensive player this season. And Phoenix's best lineup this year, their best starting five, has been with McGee and Kaminsky at the five. It's been the best with Kaminsky. Their offensive rating is 130 with Kaminsky. With McGee, it's 107. With Aiden, it's 104.8. So Phoenix, when they play McGee or Kaminsky at the five, they are significantly better than with Aiden at the five. And Kaminsky has a similar skill set in terms of spacing the floor that Cat offers, and Cat is even better. So if Phoenix is this dominant with Kaminsky on the floor, just imagine what they would be with Cat. And you look at Cat's numbers, 11.7 points per 100 possessions, plus 25 expected added added wins last season. This season, he's at plus 7.6 and 11 plus wins. So Cat has been... Amazing. Even though Minnesota loses, it's not because of him. And just for reference, this year, Aiton is at plus 2.5 and plus 2 wins. Last season, he was at that. This season, he, uh, Phoenix is plus 1.2 points better per 100 possessions, but expected, but they're minus 15 and expected added wins with him there. So the the advanced numbers don't like DeAndre Aiton too much. And McGee, Kaminsky, 
the lineup has been much better with them at the five than DeAndre Ayton. So DeAndre would, Ayton, okay. DeAndre Ayton is more replaceable than people think. He's not this irreplaceable player. Listen, I'm 100% okay with giving up Aiden to go get Carl Anthony Towns. Obviously, if you're the Suns, you want to you want to get a guy like Carl Anthony Towns. Like how you mentioned, obviously, he's an amazing offensive weapon. Come with Chris Paul? Oh it would be crazy. But the thing is, I'm kind of on that side of I don't want to trade Cam Johnson either. I'd be more willing to give up Jay Crowder. I understand that you're saying Jay Crowder is better than Cam Johnson at this point in time. And I agree. But I think that Cam Johnson being so young and being he's 25. He's still 25 years old. And how old is Jay Crowder? He's in year three. And Jay Crowder is 30. 30. He's not a minimum of 30. He's been in the league for a while. Like 31? But my thing is, he's Cam is in year three. He's 25 already. And he's still a solid 3 and D ball player. What's the ceiling? And his game? defense is excellent. All this goes <laughs> I mean, to all this, all this points. So what's he could be a better Jay Crowder. Oh, okay. All right. That's all I'm saying. All right. So, which is why I'm okay with doing the deal. But if we switch Jay Crowder. And we switch it for, for Cam Johnson. trying to win now, though. I agree, but I think Cam Johnson's defense still allows that opportunity to still win now, and he's a solid he's a solid shooter as well. His defensive rating this season is 104. He's been great. So I still would do the, the trade if you just switch Dre Crowder and Cam Johnson because you're still giving up the two first-round picks, so they're still getting young players. And on top of that, you're still getting Aiton, Sarich, and Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder, who's one of the best in the locker room there, there is around for a role player. And... Obviously, I don't want to talk about the Suns getting Cat because that just makes all the sense. You guys hit it right in the head. You bring in Cat, you automatically establish yourselves as a as a primetime team in the league, or you know maybe the team to be in the NBA for a championship. But Chris Paul's getting up there in age. You want to keep these younger guys together so they have that core and that chemistry to continue to build on to to possibly create a dynasty, especially if you're getting a guy like Carl Anthony Towns. You said um, dynasty, and then you keep talking about Cam Johnson. I'm just saying the young core that they have right now. Obviously, Mikel so Bridges. You're, you're on the you're on the fence of keeping Aiden and Cam Johnson. No, I'm on the fence of just I want Cat to go to the Suns. I agree with the package that you have. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind it. Obviously, I just would rather you switch Cam Johnson for Jay Crowder I because think, I think that I, I Cam think, Johnson could be a better Jay Crowder. I think your reasoning is logical, but I think. Sometimes you tend to overvaluate talent. For In one, Cam Johnson is a good player. Is he a very talented player? No. I don't think he is. I mean, I mean defensively, he's very talented. He's good. Defensively, he's a good. He's, he's very he's, talented. He's not great defensively. He's not elite. I he's mean, just 104 good. defensive rating this season. It's because of the lineup he plays with. You know, Cam Johnson is credit. He's a good defender, but he's not great. He's not elite. He's not a defensive stopper. He's not Mike Mikel Bridges. Yeah, no, he's not. No way. Not at Mikel all. Bridges is one of the best and, defenders in the and league. You talk about, I'd rather just trade Jay Crowder, not Cam Johnson. I think that's a mistake. Jay Crowder was the heart and soul to Phoenix. But you're getting Carl Anthony Towns. Jay Crowder is one of those, is is a similar player to what P.J. Tucker is. And P.J. Tucker, he's the heart and soul of the, in the teams that he goes to, he is the heart and soul. You look at Jay Crowder when he was at Memphis, heart and soul. When he was in Boston, heart and soul. Jay Crowder right now, he is one of those guys along with Chris Paul that is the leader in that locker room that holds everybody accountable and makes them play together his impact maybe on the box score him and cam johnson are, are a bit similar but in terms of what they bring to a locker room and leadership jay crowder's impact if he goes would be felt tremendously but you still have cp3 this is the thing phoenix cam johnson and are already on expiring deals i firmly believe that they probably let cam johnson walk after this year i i think they their only priority is to bring back Aiden. but in terms of cam johnson i think they probably let him walk I think we forget 
Jay Crowder has been to back-to-back finals as being that 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 rough rider. In Miami, t- yeah, yeah. That, I forgot. That, that I totally forgot about Miami. And I think you overvalue. I think you value talent over intangibles in in wrong situations. Okay. Look, I, I'm gonna just I'm gonna just yeah. Before sorry, I cut you off. No, you good. Phoenix is in a, is in a win now mode for sure. Their window to win is with Chris Paul, D Book, and this roster they have in place. Mm-hmm. Jay Crowder is a win now guy. Even I mean, if even if you trade, he's only averaging like barely. You're looking at you're looking you're looking at you're looking at defensively. Point, Cam Johnson's a better defender than Jay no, Crowder. Not. No, he's no, no, he's he, not. I mean, I, he no, might he not. might be. <laughs> no, he's not. He, yo, Cam Johnson is a solid defender. You're you're overlooking. I think his they're defense. both in the same tier, but Crowder's but exactly. Crowder's and, he's young, and he's still younger. But this and he's is still a better shooter than Jay Crowder. I'm not saying Jay Crowder can guard fives consistently, but who's better at guarding bigs? You don't, you don't have to guy. think about I mean, that. From what we've seen, obviously Jay Crowder. Yeah, from what yeah. we've seen, it's Jay Crowder. Yeah, Phoenix is a win is in win now mode. They shouldn't be thinking about age when trying to win a championship. If clearly not, if, with CP3 if teams being... thought about age, Lakers wouldn't have made the moves they made in, in free agency in the offseason. The, the Heat wouldn't have gotten Tucker and Lowry, who are both thirty five plus. But they're in win now mode. That doesn't matter. They need players who have experience and ha- and have. A resume that is Jay Crowder. Now, if you had a cat there, you still have a oh, young core sure. with D Book and Cat going forward, and, and, and their best friends and Bridges as well. Your bench, you can figure out the bench. Um, and then Javale McGee off the bench. Javale McGee can give you what yeah. DeAndre Ayton gives you. In fact, this year Javale McGee has been better than DeAndre Ayton. The advanced numbers prove it. If the Suns get Cat. They can go oh, toe-to-toe with Golden State. And Golden State, we know their one weakness is bigs. Yeah. So if Cat goes to Phoenix, Phoenix now has a recipe to, okay, now we can beat Golden State because we got Cat. We got somebody who can average 25 or 13. And they had a front-row seat in watching Cat because Cat gave them like 34 and 14 the other night. We talked about it from Phoenix's side. But from the Timberwolves' side, would you accept this trade? You have to. Oh, you got you have this to. This is the best deal you're going to get. I don't know if it's the best deal. I feel like you the could next, probably... The next thing that's being yeah, offered is Ben Simmons, yeah, bro. That's fair. But you're getting Aiden, obviously, and you're getting two first picks, two first-round picks. So that's that's great as is. And, and you still Johnson get you still get a, a, a solid, not all-star, but a solid caliber player that can play at that all-star level and can still become that all-star. So I think this is probably the best deal you're going to get. And you still get a guy who, is still, who, who just went to the championship, and he contributed very, very well on a championship run. So I think that's an, a, a winning player. Realistically, at this point in time, Aiden has been more of a winning player than Cat. So you bring in a guy who's, who's been to that role, who's been to the end of the tunnel, and then you still keep, you know, you still keep D-Lo, you still keep Pat Bev, you still keep Anthony Everett, and he, they're all the same age for and the most Cam part. And then Cam Johnson yeah. is there off the bench. I don't think Cam Johnson starts over Jerry Vanderbilt. I think Vanderbilt, gives, he just too, he's much better defensively, and they need that in the lineup. But Cam Johnson on off the bench with Malik Beasley, Jaden, yeah, Jaden, that that's really good, man. And if you're Minnesota, this is only if Cat wants out, because I think Minnesota can can win with Cat right now with the roster they have in place. But if they start losing and Cat's like, you know what, I'm out of here, just trade me. Getting DeAndre Ayton, Cam Johnson, they get better defensively with Ayton. I think that would be a very good spot, you know. And I think it. Obviously, Phoenix is winning this trade by a mile because they're getting cat. But having a center you can build around for the future, he can hold that position down for the future. Yeah. Having Edwards who can slide in the two or three for the future, mm-hmm. they have a lot of pieces going forward. And then those two first round picks, granted, they'll be late first round picks yeah. because Phoenix, actually, it won't be, probably not because 
Phoenix can't trade their first round picks in the next two years because of the uh, Steffian rule. So they would be like picks in 2024, 2025. So if the Suns are bad by then, Timberwolves can luck out and get a high pick and they can draft another, you know, really great player. So Minnesota, they'd kind of be winners. And also, Cat is under contract for three seasons. Phoenix doesn't have to worry about paying him. Booker two, if I'm not mistaken. No, this year and next two. So yeah, three seasons. They wouldn't have to worry about paying him. And I think this puts them as the second, if not best team in the Western Conference if they make this move. Oh, yeah. If I'm just nitpicking, that's the only thing I could really say about that Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder. That would be my only thing. But obviously, you you want a guy in car, like Carl Anthony Towns to come onto your squad because obviously he's a difference maker in multiple facets. So Carl Anthony Towns is one of the best centers in the league. We're about to talk about the best center in the league, in my opinion, Nikola Jokic. And Nikola Jokic is having another tremendous season He's even better this year than he was last season. And last season, he won the MVP. But it feels like KD and Steph and DeRozan and the Bulls, and it feels like a lot of different teams and players are getting more attention than Jokic, even though he has been straight up spectacular. And it, maybe it's because he plays in a smaller market, maybe because he, you know, he's just being overlooked right now. But this is our time to shine some light on what he's doing and how exceptional He's been, I, for one, did not know Denver would be this competitive. You know, I, I thought having Murray mostly out, basically out for the season, I thought MPJ would take that second, would take that next leap, but he's been disappointing. And when, when he's played, he's injured right now. Maybe that injury was there before, and that's why he wasn't playing well. But Nikola Jokic right now has a, third, a 35 PER, the best all time. He's first in value added. At 155, the second best player is Montrez Harrell at 113. He's first in estimated wins added. Seventh in scoring at 26 a game. Second in rebounds at 14 a game. 16th in assists at 6.3 assists. The Nuggets are 9-6. and six, Have a plus 29.9 point, uh, point differential when Jokic is on the court. And his second best players are Will Barton, who's having a career season. Aaron Gordon, Monte Morris. And their best bench player has been Bones Holland and Jeff Green for the most part. And these aren't scrubs, but in a tough Western Conference for you to be competitive with the roster that isn't the best, the supporting cast isn't the best, is exceptional. And I think Jokic deserves a lot of credit. What do you think? Yeah, no, you know, it's, it's, and I think what it is, is Jokic, like you said, plays in a small market. He's not the flashiest. He's not the big fancy name. You know, he he's a guy who kind of flies under the radar. And that's what happens with players like that. You know, they don't get the, the recognition. But the Jokic has been literally everything for that Denver team. He's been phenomenal for, for his standards on defense. Offensively, you know what he's going to do. He's going to be their best play, playmaker. He's going to be their best scorer. He's going to be their best rebound. So he does everything for this team. And I think, you know, he should definitely be in that top five race in the MVP running. I think he... The reason I think why, you know, he doesn't get as much love as DeMar because the Bulls were trash last year, and obviously now they're not, so it looks a little different. And then Steph and KD are always going to get love because they have the resume. They're, they're Steph and KD. So, but I think, you know, the Jokic deserves to be in that conversation right now because of the fact that Denver being so hampered with injuries, he's still been able to keep them afloat, you know? And that can he continue? He's going to I think I feel like he's going to continue what he does. Him personally, oh, no he's going to do what he does. It's, can they continue winning at this level? It's going to be tough cuz like we said, the West, everybody's floating in that 9, 6, 10, 7, 11, 6, 5, whatever that that range. You know, everybody's floating. The Clippers, them, 
you know, Portland's starting to pick up some steam a little bit. Memphis is starting to get some steam. Dallas is there. So it's everybody's flowing. So it's going to be tough. But I think we should definitely – the league needs to be more vocal and they need to be more spread out. They talk about the same thing every time. and they give us. They give love to the same people every time. They need to spread out. You know, guys like Donovan Mitchell in Utah, like the Joker in Denver, Even Devin Rudy Booker Gobert. in Phoenix, Rudy Gobert in Utah. John Moran in Memphis. Like, uh, it's very weird how John Moran's getting that love in Memphis and Nicole is not getting love in Denver. Memphis is just as small a market as Denver, probably smaller. It, but it just it's, goes, it's weird. It just goes based off who's more exciting to watch. Obviously, Jokic, if you're a fan of the game, he plays meticulously. He's he's as borderline perfect as it gets for the big man. He can facilitate an offense. Very few bigs, if any, really are as are are, are yeah, solid. He's the best passing big man of all but time. But that's... That might be that might be by no, far, fine. yeah. No, it is, that man. is a it, fact. Not, I don't think it's a debate. But I'm an old head telling you that. I, and and I can't. But the fact that he does it so far and, and beyond every other center in the league, his his rebounding, obviously his efficiency, his free throw. If I'm nitpicking, could be a little bit better, but it's in the seventy, like it's seventy five percent. So even for, even as a big, that's still impressive. But it's not like he's doing it. He's not a flashy player. And that's why we see highlights from John Morant. That's why we see so much about LaMelo Ball because they're they're high flying. They're they're doing behind the back passes, even though Jokic obviously is more than capable of that. But people don't see Jokic and think exciting, which for for whatever reason. But if you're an actual basketball fan, you can appreciate the things that he does. You see that he is just so far above and beyond the rest of the guys at that position. And it's weird because a lot of people, a lot of NBA fans don't think Jokic is a top five player, which is straight up ludicrous. He has an argument to be the best player in the NBA. You look at all the advanced statistics, he's leading in every single one by a large margin. When I said, when I made the video about Derrick Rose not being top five when he won the MVP in 2011, people in the comments were like, that's cool because Jokic is in top five. The only players you can put over Jokic right now are Curry. KD, maybe Giannis. They're probably neck and neck. And, and Jokic. I mean, maybe Giannis and that's it. But Jokic is easily a top five player. And this year, my top five players, Steph is one, Jokic is two for me. KD's three, Giannis is four, and five is Jimmy Butler. I think those are the top five players this year so far and how they've been playing this season. Easily top five for me. You have the same top five? Uh, it's just hard for me to hear that. Obviously, LeBron's been out. Oh, but my. LeBron's not. Come on. And, and, and you, you know, it's funny because before the season, I was like, LeBron's not going to be a top three player. Even if LeBron was healthy, I'm not taking him. Stop it. Like, LeBron I'm not, wasn't hold on, hold, No, 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 no. Come on. Now. He not, wasn't playing better. No, right now. Uh, no. Jokic, I'm fine with that. It KD and Steph, he wasn't playing Even if LeBron was healthy, he's not better than Steph. He's not better than KD. He's not better than Giannis. He's not better than Jokic right now. That's okay, just a fact. Relax. That's just a fact. That's just a fact. Here's the point. It's easy to talk now when he's not. We're not playing. saying these guys. We're not saying they're universally better I than LeBron. What you're but saying. they, they I'm were just playing saying better it's than LeBron. Easy to talk now with LeBron not playing. I get it. I'm gonna let you guys have this moment. And I told you before the season that yeah, I was moment. I was worried about LeBron because the past couple of seasons he's gotten hurt. His first year in LA, he got hurt. His second year in LA, the bubble happened. It helped him recover. For the playoffs, of that he was healthy. We just come off beating the Clippers and the Bucks, two of the most impressive wins of that and season. Then in, and then in year three, going in to Phoenix in the first round, he had an ankle injury. They lost in the first round. Now this year, he's injured again. We're just finally seeing LeBron become mortal, and 
it's a rare sight for all of us, and we don't want to believe it. Just, but LeBron just I, isn't. I think that, uh, he's not a top three player that, in the league anymore. He's I think, not. I think that bubble break helped AD more than anything. Else, and, so. Like I'm fine with that because obviously AD is the more fragile of and the we, two. And y'all needed that because without him, y'all wasn't winning nothing. I mean, That's LeBron fair. was all world. So whatever you want. Y'all wasn't going without AD. Right. AD was all world. Obviously, too. If, it was if, the if, AD, punch. if AD wasn't just as good yeah, as if LeBron, you, if you take away a top five player in the NBA off a team. Oh my God, they're gonna lose. It's not surprising. But again, like I'm saying, if, I'm fine with you. know, it's funny. Hold on, let me get my... I'm fine with your list for now. I got PG over because Jimmy, but that's biased. I think P- Jimmy's been P- exceptional. Jimmy has no, been... I said bias. No, J- bias Jimmy has been exceptional, and that's a fact. And I'm fi- that's why I'm fine with it for now. Braun comes back tonight, potentially. I, you guys can have your moment now for sure. But don't sleep on Braun. Obviously, he's LeBron James, and when he's been playing this season, he has been exceptional. The shooting has been exceptional. We just need to, need to come back and we're going to have wins. And we've been unhealthy. Like, I mean, no, but that has not. Giannis is, who's saying anything about Giannis? I mean, and that, and that, Giannis, Giannis got it. KD got it. Steph got it. In that game. But to say he's not top five, that's a, and you that guys Bucks, can have that right now, but it, it's, it's going to be ludicrous soon. In that Bucks versus Lakers game, Giannis I don't basically said, AD, you can't check this. me. He, almost, he dropped 50 and 10 on no, him. He was really trying to, dis- like, really, he was going at him, like, every time he's seen him. Like, it was really funny. It's been a tough season for me. It has been. But we're going to bounce back. So is Joker in your top five? He's got to be. He's, yeah. Dude, th- what what's he's his doing. Number? What's, his, what's his, the ranking? I would probably put him four. I would say you got, I'm not in any order for the three. You got Steph, KD, Giannis. I think Jokic is four. I, I can't put Jokic over Giannis. He just came off a championship, had 50 in a game-winning game, uh, a Excuse me, in a, a series closing game in the NBA Finals, he was exceptional. Yeah, one of the worst offenses of all time. It, you're saying Milwaukee of, of, of teams that won the championship, they had one of the worst okay. offenses of all time. Okay, that has nothing to do. I'm with just Giannis. saying. I'm just. I'm just saying this. Even though Giannis won a championship, there is still a question mark of whether he can be your lead Not offensive me. engine on a championship Not team. Not for me. You could have. Can that. Joker though be that? Yes. Because it hasn't been answered. Bro, has he hit a Western Conference Finals? Yes. Yeah, in the bubble against you guys. <laughs> oh, you're 100% right. <laughs> what the I forgot, hell? I forgot that they that the, the Clippers and choked that, like that. that series would have been right. that, that series would have went to seven if it wasn't for AD hitting that game. Oh, yeah. It was five. They lost in five. Yeah, what, it's maybe six. I don't know. No, six. there was a lot of close games in that series, though. Well, because they lost because ultimately the better team won. But you stressed and the, the, and the, listen, nuggets listen. Were, the Nuggets were flaming hot. They were one of the hottest teams in the NBA. And we but spoiled listen, them listen, in five. Listen. Defensively, the Bucks were one of the best teams ever. No that doubt. Won but Giannis but had 50 offensively, in game, in they a game were six offensive. to close out the yeah, series. I, I get it, and that's what we look My at. Bad, but bro. we don't look at the totality. Their offense was very mid throughout the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It just was. That's what it was. Defense yeah, carried def- them. They're a defensive yeah, team. But if it wasn't for if it wasn't for a lot of luck that played into their way, they you know they're not. But champions. I'm not thinking too much about that, especially with Giannis still averaging a minimum of 28, basically the and entire. Look, and playoffs. I'm not I'm not saying that luck doesn't play into championships because it doesn't. PJ Tucker, when he was interviewed by JJ Redick, he said, "I didn't realize how much luck played into a championship until I went to Milwaukee." Yeah, because in Houston, CP3 got injured. Then in Milwaukee, when we're facing Atlanta and Giannis goes out. I'm having flashbacks, and he's like, but then he came back. There's a lot of look that goes into that. I'm bro. not. I'm not talking about just a championship. I'm talking about his play. Are we not going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he played exceptional? Because that's, ca- that's all I. That's all I care about. He played exceptional. That's and I, I'm not doubting that. But if you're talking about Giannis and Jokic, you can say. Giannis has a championship, so he's better. That's nah, not necessarily what I'm Jokic saying. Jokic offensively is on every, a different level than Giannis. And defensively, it's not even close. You're right. 
So that, that. so if we're splitting <laughs> if we're splitting hairs on offense, it's like the same thing. Offensively, but one the guy. reason, but the reason why not close, I'm going. What Giannis. took Bucks over the top is Drew Holiday and the and the Tucker addition for sure. And Chris Middleton played well, like they're, they're an all better, NBA they're a better team than the Nuggets, and that's yeah, fine. way better. But if I'm you, just saying in terms of player versus player. If, you know, this is what I have to say. I'm taking Giannis. If, if Steph Curry or LeBron were winning the way Jokic is winning with this current Denver Nuggets roster. We're giving them ultimate praise. I mean, last year, Steph Curry was winning with Wiggins and Draymond, which is a better supporting cast than what Jokic has right now. Curry didn't even make the playoffs, and he finished second in MVP voting. That's how much we recognize Curry. He was if, that was if that was Jokic with a similar roster, he doesn't even get considered. But, but we've spoken so, about when Steph was on okay, the court. All right, he yeah, been to be fair, statistically, exactly. when Steph jumped off the court, they were the worst team in NBA history. What about Jokic? That's a good point. Man, and look LeBron, what he's doing. LeBron obviously got his credit when he took the 2018 Cavs to the finals. And, and so. before and before I, I uh, we stop this segment, before we end this segment, Aaron Gordon is somebody that every once in a while he shows a, a flash, flash in the pan, yeah. that he can do something. But this guy's averaging 12 points per it's game. It's kind of annoying at this point. Like, he's more defensive. In now. Orlando, he was averaging 16, 18 when you, we thought he had a breakout year. He never, he's never done that again. He has to be that. He has to take on a bigger offensive role. That it is what it is. You know, Denver, Jokic, Jokic is just on a different level right now. And I think he needs to be recognized because he's really playing all world. That's a fact. Yeah. As much as Jokic has been phenomenal, I, like, it's still tough to say they'll go to the finals unless we see Jamal Murray healthy for sure. and we see yeah, MPJ sure. at that level. I'll be honest. I don't think they'll ever make a finals. I got to ask you this. You think you place Giannis on that Nuggets team Last year, they're beating Portland in the first round? Yeah. You think so? Yeah. What about you? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. But Forget I, Giannis's jump shooting. Not Well, his shooting just mid-range. I mean, it, it definitely was Portland would have definitely been an easy matchup for, for Giannis yes. personally, though. Yeah. Nurkic there? They I have think, a big. I think he can dominate. Covington, Nurkic. come on, oh, bro. He's he, gonna kill Covington. He, they have a couple wings. DeAndre Ayton, like absolutely well, then let me ask you. Him. Nurkic is a way better defender than Ayton. Let me ask you. Let me ask you a question then. Or not a way better, but he's better. So switch out. Say, so then switch out. You way. put Jokic against the Nets. Do they win? The yes. Bucks. You think they win? Yes. They need Giannis's defense. Jokic's defense really. It's not. We talk about last year. Jokic. That's what, exactly. Who, I mean. Why did they need Giannis's defense? Uh, he is exceptional, no doubt. He's the, he's one of the reasons they're that I, great. I know, I oh, know. Okay. There's Before no doubt. I don't crazy. want to disrespect Giannis yeah. too much because I love him as a player. But who was guarding KD? Who was their best friend protector though? Let me just ask you, who oh, was guarding the, uh, KD? Okay, that's fair. Who, um, who was guarding PJ Tucker? Who was guarding Harden and Kyrie when they were there? Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday. Gian, who was Giannis guarding? Well, let me ask you a question because what killed what killed when Phoenix played Denver? What killed them? Jokic they couldn't no, switch. They had no the drop coverage. That's true. So with you with Giannis, you can't do that. Yeah, there like was he, no pain. So that's what I'm saying. It's like Milwaukee it's different with Giannis. You literally all that drop coverage with nonsense. Jokic, Middleton, Holiday. I you, mean, you you could put them in a the pick and roll and just have Jokic. It's the same thing that's going to happen because Jokic's problem is he can't in a pick and roll. He's terrible. Yes. Well, last year, what's the difference though? Because Chris Paul went crazy from the mid range. We know he's a he's a knockdown mid range shooter. KD is the same way, yep. but KD, he was dominating from the mid-range in that series as well. So what's That's the true. difference? You know, outside of KD, who's a, who's a great mid-range shooter on Brooklyn that played in that series? Nobody. Harden did, was, was playing hobbled. He was playing on one leg, and he's not even a mid-range shooter. But what is the point you're ultimately trying to make there? I don't think 
Giannis. We have to remember Giannis had a fifty ball in that series. Forty ball, pardon me. He had a couple tra- in of, the Nets. You're saying, yeah, against yeah. the Nets. Like he he also put on a dominant display. It's like I, you can't overlook fifty closing out of finals. I know. Okay, yeah. Uh, look, I'm a, I'm gonna stop disrespecting Giannis Thank so you. much. Just a little bit. Giannis is a great. Yeah, he's just, a yes. Hall of Fame. Yeah, player. just a little yes. bit. You're just, like, just a little. But bit. I'll, I'll, but I'll say down. this: if he keeps this up, he could arguably but I'll be say the best this. power forward ever. I like Jokic more, and I, I think I think Jokic is a better player than okay. him. No, that's even even though. Even though Giannis has won the championship, has won a championship, he's a Finals MVP. I personally just think Jokic is a better player, and that's just me. And sometimes we look at accolades too much when determining who's a better player. When most of the time that's not the case, you know, Luca doesn't have the accolades per se as other guys. He's fairly young as well. But he's better than most guys who have those accolades. It's like he doesn't have the accolades Dame has, but he's better than Dame. That's and what pretty. accolades does Dame have though? Yeah, you lost yeah, me with fair. that one. I mean, give him, I think some I think it's fair off. to say y'all, y'all act like Dame really has done nothing in the no, league. No, we're just talking about when you think accolades, you think MVP, DPO. Luca's already like an All NBA player, an All Star. That's what I'm saying. That's, like, that's, I think they, he's already clean surpassed hold on, hold on. Dame, and Dame Luka, has what, Luka, eight nine seasons. Luca has already won Rookie of the Year, All NBA player, and started in the All Star game. Lillard had Rookie of the Year, has an All NBA. That's has what I'm been saying. In multiple no, no, in year seven. Hold on, hold on, hold on. But it it wasn't year seven that Dame did all that. Oh, listen, listen, bro. Listen to. Oh, what, that's what you're saying. That was the first bro, time. Listen to what you said. All Dame has, well, not all Dame. What Dame has is an All Star, is an All NBA, is Rookie of the Year. That's all that he has. That's what Luca has right now. Ah, but Dame has averaged a 28 Luka point has, per game. Luca is a great facilitator. But I, Luca has listen, averaged I'm 29. With you. I, I understand. Eight and eight. But that's. Am I saying that Luca is not better than Dame? I'm I, not that's saying exactly that. What I said. I'm saying this. They have the same accolades. Dame doesn't have something Luka doesn't have. He just has more of what he they just both has. Have. Playoff series wins, he has that. Okay. But Dame doesn't have an MVP. He's he's never been a points leader, or assist right. leader, or rebounds. So Kyrie leader. Irving, would you say that you're taking Luka or Kyrie Irving? Kyrie. Well, I'm asking for for right now. You're saying that Kyrie has the accolades. What what? Do you, but what? Luka Doncic, who are you taking? Luka. Okay, that's exact. All right, so that's exactly that's the better Kyrie line that has I would more say. accolades than Dame. But that's exactly what I'm trying to. Say. I I fixed the. All right, here's a player with accolades that is basically like a Damian Lillard, yeah, but, but has more accolades. I think we we so we, we went from two guys that have MVPs to guys who don't have that. I think it's a little bit different. No, I understand, but I'm saying in terms of who's better with. I mean, it is with fair, less accolades. I think it's fair to say Jokic is better than Giannis. I think it's fair to say that, but I also think. Let's not forget that Giannis is still that guy. Listen, you know I don't think that. I'm just giving an example no, of someone who doesn't think, have the accolades also, that I, is I, better. I want to. I want to. I want to reiterate this. I think most of the time when we debate sports or anybody debates sports and we say this guy is better than this guy, especially when discussing top ten, top five players, if I say Jokic is better than Giannis, people automatically assume, oh, this guy must think. He's way better than Giannis. Yeah, it's close. The the gap splitting hairs. The gap between Giannis and Jokic is this. Yeah, man. You have the, nitpick. The, the gap between Katie and Curry is this. The gap between LeBron and these players is this. Even the gap between a player like Harden at his best and Embiid at his best and Luka at his best between these top five players is very slim. You're like you said, you're splitting hairs, yeah. and on any given night, they can be better than the other. And that's just it is what it is. Even a guy like Trey Young, like. On any given night, Trey Young can be better than Luga. On any given night, he can be better than Jokic. Like it's really close. And when you're debating this, it's it's really just a uh, semantics. You're just it's really 
Who do you prefer? And I just prefer Jokic's skill set offensively rather than Giannis. Giannis is a more well-rounded player in player. terms of two-way prowess, but offensively, he doesn't offer what Jokic offers. Like, Jokic is some... Nikola Jokic... You're saying Giannis to Jokic? Nikola Jokic... Giannis is a good facilitator still. Obviously, Jokic is a better passer, but it's not like Giannis isn't a good facilitator. Jokic is a way better passer than Giannis. I, I agree. It's, no, like, there's a gap. I think you guys are comparing two different bigs. No, we are, but there's a gap in their passing. A significant there, gap. There's a gap Jokic, in, yeah. Jokic is a better passer, yes. Way better. I'm with you. Way better. I'm with you. Like, it's it's like... Lamelo to like okay I'm I'm I see with what you're trying him, to do though but, but it's is Jokic a good defender? He we're is, not he we're is talking now. about offensively though. I I'm asking he you is a question. Now. He is now. He's now. He is now. Has Giannis ever not been? A no, the gap the gap between defense. It's the same thing as the gap in passing. Ah, uh, would you Gian, say it's Giannis that, defense? I think is the same gap. I think it's more significant defensively than to the passing. Giannis is still averaging what six assists, seven uh, assists. Numbers you don't. can't. Yeah, you, when you look but, at numbers, uh, for example, for example. Russ is like top three in assists per game. Okay, but it's different in this scenario. How, how? Giannis how wins. What? Giannis wins. What does that have to do with you being a better passer? You're telling me he has this flat number of leading the league in assists, but he doesn't look that great of a ball player. And no, he doesn't uh, necessarily no, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You misinterpret it. Well, if you want to use that, Giannis hasn't been winning this year as well. Well, his team's been hurt. Give him that, give him that benefit what, that he what just is, came what off have the championship. Lakers been? What have the Lakers been? True. Okay. For one, Russ racks up assists because of defenders closing out when he drives and passing. Jokic gets the ball on the elbow and makes a, He's a great and makes a great bounce pass on a cut. I mean, Listen, the passes Nikola Jokic is a better passer than Giannis. It's no, significant. Giannis. No, I'm just trying to. I just want you to understand it's significant. And shooting, it's significant as well. Oh yeah, that's facts. No, no, I'm so the gap between Jokic and Giannis in shooting is the gap between them as passers as well. Probably. But nah, passing, I don't know. I say shooting for sure. Passing, I don't know. You're being so picky right now. I am. Being very Definitely picky. am. Crazy. I am. I'll be you honest. You know, I, I was watching, I've been watching Cat a lot, and he tries to make the passes Jokic makes. Doesn't work. And it just goes over the <laughs> backboard. I'm like, Nikola Jokic is really one of a kind. He's somebody. I'm sure Carl Anthony Towns didn't expect Jokic to easily bounce right over him. Jokic is someone who can pass like Larry Bird. And shoot like Dirk Nowitzki. And I got that quote from Ben Taylor from Thinking Basketball. He's an amazing content creator. Oh. That's how Yoke, that's how great Jokic is, though. I mean, he's I shooting can't. he's shooting 40 from three. That's it's, no, insane. this year 35%. No, it's, I just I, looked I, 41%. I, I, oh, probably yeah, the last game. I don't know about the Dirk thing. I don't know. You can't shoot like Dirk? You gotta understand the way Dirk was getting his shot off, though. The turnaround, step back, one footer, the Jabs to, it's uh, his footwork was. I guess meticulous. you get in the percentages, you could say that, but in the way Dirk was shooting the ball, I don't know, it's different. Jokic is one of a kind, man. He's one of my favorite players. But on to the next topic, Cade Cunningham, number one overall pick. To be when he first started playing with the Pistons, people were worried about him because of these bad performances. Oh my God. He was shooting bad. Drew texted the chat like he had a bad game. Drew texted his chat like. Kate isn't looking that good right Kate now. Kate sucks. He's all caps. Iffy. Yo, all caps. I, I can't joke. Come on. He shot. It was like two for twelve. Word. I'm the allowed last, to joke. Kate in the last five games has averaged sixteen. He's been awesome. Sixteen points per game, six rebounds per game, five assists per game, shooting forty three percent from the field and thirty four percent from three. He had twenty against Houston and twenty five against Sacramento. When we talked about Kate's struggles, Riv wasn't on the show, so I'll let you go first and what you've been seeing from Kate. 
I just been seeing him unlock a little bit more of his game yes, every sir. single moment. It's something different. The playmaking, the rebounding, the defense, going to the rack, bullying other guards. You know, it's just been something different. The shooting is starting to catch up. And it's still I'm still puzzled at why they keep letting Killian Hayes run the offense and Cade doesn't get much of the offense run. It's, but it's funny as hell that you mentioned Killian because Killian Hayes had that one like double double oh, yeah. the other night. Against and, Toronto, right? Yeah, and this Pistons fan, his name is his name is Tyler on Twitter. Mm. He reacted to our uh, TikTok about us saying Killian Hayes was a bust. And we get it. It's very early. Killian can turn his career around. We're not hoping for him to fail. But our gut feeling right now is that Killian Hayes is probably going to be a bust. That's just how I feel right now. And when he had that double-double, he asked me like, man, you were so low on Killian. Look at this. Look what he's doing now. Next game, he has two points. And I added him back like, where's that energy now? Yeah. You, where's that energy so. now? You know what's crazy? Me and Joel were, we wanted, like, we were high on Killian. We wanted him to be, like, I remember when Killian came out, Joel was like, oh, I think I want him in the Knicks. Like, he's really good. It's that, like, we were high on him. It's just he hasn't shown us nothing. Like, he has literally walked into the league and declined since then. Like, he hasn't Outside been good. Outside of defense. He's yeah, good. defense, he's phenomenal. He's solid. No, he's phenomenal Very. on defense. But it, it's... It, it's it reminds me kind of like maybe he can play that Lonzo role like that three and D point guard type role next to Cade because Cade is gonna get keys to the offense full time eventually. He like, should have it already. It, yeah, it, it's only a matter of time. And since he's walked in, they've won games, not the most games, not a lot of games, but they went out there and they beat Houston on the road. They went out there and they beat Toronto on the road when he when he had seven points Nets. in the clutch. You know the Nets, like you said, they were competitive. So he's when he he's been there, they've been a little bit more competitive. So I think that that winning mentality, that that leadership role, he's starting to really embrace that and put that on everybody else. He helped. He was one of the help. He helped Jeremy Grant have thirty the other day, like yeah. just getting him in the right spot. So I think he's unlocked a little bit every game, and he's gonna start creeping into that rookie of the year award very very soon. And it's only a matter of time. He just needs to play. We're all basically gonna say the exact same thing. The only opinion you should have on Kate Cunningham is that he's going to be a great ball player, and we're seeing early on. We just need to see his efficiency. Be no a preseason, bit no training. That, exactly. Exactly. He, he's coming in very raw, and we're seeing him have the impact that he's had already with, with the Detroit Pistons. I think that he's obviously... What, what's the initial question? Are, are are we impressed? You should be impressed. He's on the Pistons. He's he's obviously making a difference in their squad. Three and two in the last five games. You, you take it. The only thing, if I'm really nitpicking, he needs to be a little more efficient. But that's going to come with time. He's a rookie. He's obviously still trying to find his stroke, like you mentioned. No training camp, no preseason, none of that. He's coming in very— I think efficiency is going to be a little bit overrated this year. I think everybody, aside from Kevin Durant, who's just— I can't— He's I, different. I don't want to. I don't want to agree with that. I feel like efficiency. I understand the shot, the volume that the amount of shots that he's going to take is going to be high. No, I so. think people are just adjusting to the fact that the, to the new rules and the call is not being called. So efficiency is going to look a little different than it's okay. looked in the past. You okay. know, I see a lot of guys just chucking up shots, not chucking to get up, but yeah, but taking up a lot of shots. And their efficiency is like even Steph Curry, who's one of the most efficient players in the league. He doesn't even we, – we say he's been playing for now, but even he doesn't look his, his great efficiency. So yeah. I think it's just going to take some time. Okay. And everybody, I think efficiency is just going to be a little bit overrated this year. But nonetheless, he does have to pick it up. I mean, right now he's looking at 34 from the field and 25, 26 from three-point. I feel it's like that's – because of his – That first three games. No, for sure. Garbage. 100% facts. I'm just going based off just the totals. But – he has picked it up over these last couple of weeks. Even the last game, I'm, excuse me, against Sacramento in a game that they lost, he shot 50% and 45 from three. It's just That's just what he's capable of. On top of these the rebounding totals that he's getting, he's a great facilitator of the offense. He is just going to be a primetime player for them. It's just only the beginning. Cade Cunningham, um, 
even in his first three games, all of the shots that he was getting were great shots, and most of his three-point shots were in and out. They weren't bad misses. They could have easily gone in. I think he'll finish the season around 44 to 46% from the field and 34 to 37% from three. That I think he'll, he'll right. finish the year around there. It's funny how much fans overreact. And, you know, we do this as well. When you're covering the NBA the entire it's season it is and, and you see teams doing things in certain parts of the year, you have to talk about how great they are, even if you do tend to overreact. That's just what it is in the moment. And before Cade played, everybody said Scotty. Everybody was like, Scotty, wow. Oh, the Pistons might have missed on Cade because Scotty looks oh amazing. Mobley, too, a little bit. Yeah, Mobley. Well, definitely Mobley. And, but I, I know there was like a lot of discourse on Twitter was about how, especially when Cade started off rough, was that, oh, look at Scotty. He's so exceptionally better. And now we see what Cade is doing. And it's like, no, if you watch Cade, Scotty, I think he's going to be very good. He's going to be great. But Cade is really that generational guy. It's like, look at Jalen Green. It's like, what can Jalen Green do right now that isn't score? It's limited. No, it's actually funny. It's limited, really. <laughs> so, and that was the second. That that would be the better conversation. Don't talk. Don't talk about Cade because obviously he impacts the game in so many different facets. You could say that about Jalen Green and how the Rockets missed on that and maybe should have taken the Scotty. That I, that talk I can hear. But you talk about Cade and you try and talk about Scotty. That I can't. Scotty in Houston. I think Mobley is better. I I'm with fine Woods? with that too. Yeah, I'm fine with that too. Right now, you just look. But they at had what, two, right? They're the second pick. Houston. Yeah, we'll talk about Houston in a bit. But just to talk about the Pistons, three and two in their last five. Cade has been amazing in their, in their last five. Sadiq Bay hasn't even found his groove this season in terms of his efficiency. He hasn't even. Shit, he killed us. And he was efficient last year. He hasn't found his efficiency yet. Jeremy Grant's averaging 18, but his efficiency hasn't been as great. Um, I was looking at this article from the Athletic about the Sixers and a potential trade, um, they said they'd be open to trading Ben Simmons to Detroit for no. Jeremy Grant and a couple of young players. If you're Detroit, do you even think about that? No. You don't. You, no. have, you have Cade who can no. basically shoot. No. No. Hell no. Absolutely not. I don't like... What's, what would be the package? Is Killian gone? A Cade, Killian, Ben lineup looks disgusting. Maybe a Frank Jackson. I don't know. <laughs> Jeremy Grant probably have to go. Or Saban Lee. Oh, God. Saban Lee's like a... Smaller Westbrook. Is, jo- is Josh Jackson? He's on the Pistons, correct? Or is he on the Grizzlies? He's on the Pistons. Okay. He's on the Pistons or Diallo. Oh my God! I don't like Ben to Detroit. I feel like they don't need. I feel like the only thing they'll do is probably trade Jeremy Grant to a winner for like a couple more picks. I think that would probably be the only move that they make. It's like what Cade's two inches shorter than Ben. Obviously, Ben plays the better defense. Ben's probably the better facilitator, but offensively, you got to give it to Cade. So why would you make that move? It's not like Cade is horrific on defense. He's definitely not. I don't think it's that bad if you're giving up Jeremy Grant. Let's just be honest. It's like you already have your Ben Simmons who can who has more of an offensive game. Yeah, but I, I think having two of that is not bad. I'm not yeah. fond of starting Hayes, Stewart, and Ben Simmons. I mean, I'm thinking more of Cade, Sadiq, and Ben moving forward. Yeah, it'd, it'd be so much. Int- I don't know. if if uh, I don't even want to say this. Maybe another day. That's it. Ben playing the five. Will he do it? That's the question. I mean, obviously. Would Detroit trading for Ben kind of be like them trading for Blake Griffin? Interesting. No. I don't know. You don't know what Ben you're getting right now. That's that's it right now. You don't There's know ben what you're getting. Detroit? Blake gave them a 25. Blake was like that. Was that's what though. I'm saying. Blake was a little different. Blake was like that. 
Bro was a bucket. He took them to the playoffs that season. Twice, I think he did, he did it. Bro really went a year and a half without dunking. It just went Very to the next game even, one. Do uh, it down. If I'm 6'10", I don't even think I'm not dunking. Yeah. Like, everything's getting dunked. That was a misleading stat he talked about that because in those days, he did, He only played like a couple of games. Uh-huh. He was injured sense. most of the time. Was he? Yeah. Okay. It's good to know. He was because he was on a JJ Riddick podcast and was like, I, I hated that narrative so much because <laughs> it was like I was injured for like most of that. I didn't even play. Yeah. That's crazy. So that was kind of misleading. Okay. Um, we talked about Jalen Green for a little bit and the Rockets right now, they're on a his they're historically bad right now. Uh they're one in fourteen. They're twelve of their losses have been by double digits on pace to finish the season five and seventy seven, which will be by far the worst single season record of all time. In 2011-2012, the seven and fifty-nine Bobcats were three and twelve in their first fifteen games, which is better than the Rockets. Um in 2009-2010, the 12-70 and 70 Nets started out 0-18. So remember. they were much worse. And in 2015 and 2016, the Sixers, the tanking Sixers, started out 0-18 as well. Oh, so Lord. the Rockets, even though they're on a historically bad pace, this isn't the worst start that we've seen. But what do you think about Houston? I mean, I, before the season, we weren't even high on them. We thought they were going to be this bad. They've kind of been... a even a bit more worse than I thought they were going to be. Oh, definitely worse. But what do you think is uh, what's Houston's problem right now? Our uh, problems. You know, it's it's hard to assess a problem when a team's in rebuild. You know, I think they're, they're supposed to be losing games, right? You know, they're supposed to come out and lose as many games, you know, get on the Paola bandwagon, the Chet Holmgren bandwagon. We want these guys. We're going to lose. But it looks like they go out there and they legit try to win. It's just a lot of – they. They, like let's start from the coaching the coaching aspect I think Steven Silas is still you know he's still learning learning his ways and he's still trying to figure out the coaching you know he's made some lineup in my opinion he's made some questionable lineup changes he puts in rotations that I, don't make sense in my mind he plays guys a little bit too much more than they need to be playing at the same time management needs to I think they need to go all in on this young group and need to trade guys like Daniel House Eric Gordon you know hopefully get, get John Wall just pay that man the bread and you know, put him in free agency. David Nawaba, he really shouldn't play a single minute. He's really bad. It's a lot of money. But at the same time, looking at the young guys, you know, KPJ, Jalen Green, Sengun has been really good. You know, I, I wasn't too high on him being a star or nothing like that, but he's been one of their positive bright spots in Houston. He's been really good. He's been solid on the defensive end. He's a good passer, so he's been good. Garuba hasn't really been getting much burn, as expected. Same with Josh Christopher, but... I'm going to zone in on these two guys, Jalen Green and KPJ. Jalen Green, I I didn't think was the second best prospect coming out. I thought Evan Mobley was better. I thought Scotty was better long term. I didn't, I barely even thought he was the best two guard in the class. Obviously, James Buckner got sent to the G League. But Jalen Green, in a, the thing with Jalen Green was they have him at this weird situation where he just spots up, take threes, and then when he does get the ball, he just goes out there because he doesn't get a lot of opportunities. And with KPJ, he's not a real point guard. I know he tweeted, I'm a point guard. I understand he wants to play this role. I understand we had a little small sample size last year that showed us maybe he could be, but I don't think he's a full-time point guard. I don't. I think he can do it in spurts, but I don't think he's a, he doesn't have the proper vision. He doesn't have the proper IQ. I think he's a two guard that can just 
played the one for a short time. I don't think he has the intangibles as a point guard to make the proper reads, to make the proper looks, to run situations, to run an offense for a long time. And I think that's what's really hurting them because you got a, a permanent two, you got two 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 permanent two guards realistically, and one guy's playing out of position with Jalen Green. I don't even think he's that type of two guard that can feed off KPJ because he's a guy that goes gets his own. He doesn't really he really wants the ball in his hands to make plays for himself because that's the type of two guard he is. And they're both bottom defenders, you know, like Jalen Green isn't a good defender. KBJ really isn't. Good. You see the effort, but you're just not a good defender. And I think coming in Houston, they have a lot of talent, a lot of youth, and it's it's going to be growing pains early, no doubt. But at the same time, you got to look, you know, at least with Detroit, they look competitive you know they they for, for the most part now that they got their guy even before Cade got there they gave us a run for our money in the first two games we played them and now that their guy is there they look competitive so even with OKC young group they look competitive you know Orlando they look competitive San Antonio like these young teams really young teams they look competitive and even with Houston they have veterans on their team and they just and they just don't look good so they're in a really tough spot it's still a little bit early they can figure it out but they're in a really tough spot and their rebuild is gonna take it's gonna take a long time if they don't figure out this situation now just a lot of players on this squad that just are average and I think Christian Wood obviously we had a lot of expectation on him and him only averaging 16 points that's not something I'm sure that fans expected his efficiency is down as well. He's in like the similar 40, 30 percentage range, which you wanted more from him, especially Rockets fans. I'm assuming they were expecting him to continue on this all-star trend that he was showing a bit last season before he got hurt. But Jalen Green has been so underwhelming to me. I understand he's a rookie and it's going to take time, so I'm not going to be too critical. I still think that he can be a great scorer in this league. But he's struggling right now, and he's having a lot of opportunities to break out of this slump. And we've seen flashes in a pan from him of... of Showing what we what we thought prior to the draft, what he could be, and he's he's what he's had a thirty ball. He he's had a game where he's made over what seven threes. Like he has these capabilities. It's just we need to see it more on a consistent basis. Now for KPJ, this one's tough for me because I'm a big fan of KPJ. I like his game a lot. But you're 100 percent right. He's really not a point guard. He's turning the ball over a bunch. He's averaging four turnovers a game. Even Jalen Green's turning the ball over a bunch. He's averaging uh, three turnovers a game. But KPJ just needs to be more efficient as well. And and he just needs to be more consistent in his play. If he's going to be a point guard, be a point guard. But don't have games where you have a one-track mind of wanting to get a bucket. Because obviously we know KPJ has the talent to score. It's just that he's out of position right now, and they need him to be more of a facilitator. Get Christian Wood involved. Get uh get Jalen Green in, in spots uh better spots for him to to be put in a position to have success. It's just a lot of guys on this team, and it's one of the few rosters where the star, you know you have more than uh, four or five guys averaging double digit points, but it's not one guy averaging twenty something. Your best player is averaging sixteen. Your next close, I want to say what is you have 14, 13, 12, 11. It's just underwhelming because all of these guys' efficiency, no one's no one in this starting lineup is shooting over fifty percent. I'll give Eric Gordon his credit off the bench. He's been pretty great. He's averaging, I think his three-point percentage is 45. But he's missed some time. I think he's missed, what, three games, four games this this early in the season. It's just something's missing for this team. And it's it's a player that, similar to John Wall, is just going to be able to give them a bucket when they need it. And they don't have that right now. I think KPJ is a prime example of why you shouldn't buy into players because of a short sample size so quickly. I understand he had some flashes, but KPJ 
was never a true point guard. We all had hope that he can be that. He was never that efficient, and this year he hasn't been efficient. I think he'll he'll pick up his efficiency. The Rockets are just bad. They don't have much talent on the roster. They don't have a coach that has proven before that he can manage young players and develop. You mentioned Detroit. Dwayne Casey's their coach. He has a track record of developing players in Toronto. He he showed that. So he has that track record. For Houston, I think it starts with their talent. Christian Wood has been underwhelming. From the free throw line, he can't hit anything. And I think his struggles have more to do with not having a point guard. If John Wall was there, he would be way better. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Exactly. And with Harden, he was playing at an all-star level. So he just needs a real point guard, and KPJ isn't that. Jalen Green, I I know he's going to have an up and down rookie season. I'm not looking at him too much. You know, I'm I'm not going to blame him too much for this. Eric Gordon has been their best player this year, definitely. And when he started, he's been amazing as well. Eric Gordon is going to be one of those players that's going to get traded in the middle yeah, of the I year see him on a winning team. to to a contender, and he's going to give them a a big spark. If I'm the Knicks, call up Houston and get Eric Gordon on the squad. We yo I'm saying you don't need him really. If I'm the Knicks, Houston, I'm giving you Fournier. I, give me Gordon. I think Dallas should call. Lakers should call. Dallas would be a great fit Dallas for him. should call for Just Eric gonna Gordon. ignore the Lakers. Yes, because you have nothing to give. What do you mean to match his contract? Do you know how much he gets paid? That's true. Like sixteen, seventeen. Yeah, though. bro, he gets That's paid money. It's a lot. THT will have to go. If I'm the Knicks, oh look, no way! I, I'm trying no to way. get Gordon, but you know Gordon is a, is a really good player. They have a bottom five offense and defense. They don't pass the ball. They're 28th in assists right now. <laughs> if I'm Houston, no. It, you know, trading Gordon is not a solution. This is going to make it worse. But if I'm Houston, I'm telling John Wall, you got to play, bro. And They're I, the ones that approached him and said, yo, you're good to sit. And I don't, I don't get that. Because yeah. the reason I never got it was because, for one, you're not going to trade John Wall. John Wall's contract is untradeable. The only solution to having John Wall not on your roster is buy by him. buying him out. That's it. And if you don't want to buy him out, what's the point of not playing him if you can't trade him? John Wall, we know he's not what he once was, but will he bring veteran leadership to this squad? Yes. Will he bring a stable point guard to this squad? Yes. Will he make them more competitive? Yes. But even with John Wall, that still doesn't ruin their tanking chances. They're still going to be bad. But now you just have Christian Wood playing better. You'll have Jalen Green playing better. How many teams strive for having a true point guard on their team? Right now, I'm looking at the Knicks and I'm like, we need a we need a point guard. Houston has a true point guard that they're that they're paying 44 million a year and telling him to sit out for no apparent reason because you can't trade him. So what's the point of not playing him? It just doesn't make sense. Traffic, I don't even. I, I don't even understand the buyout situation because you're not getting any free agents. Nobody wants to go out there, so it's like. And at this point, nobody wants to go play with a bunch of young guys. The thing with the buyout is he doesn't want the buyout because he wants that full forty million. Mm. That's why they they can't come to that agreement in the buyout terms. But in terms of him not playing, I think he should play. That's the Rockets, and that makes no sense. He should play. I think he's at worst. What the. 19th, 20th starting point guard. Like right now, their starting lineup has been KPJ, Jalen Green, Gordon started last game, and Jason. Christian Wood, Jay Sean mm-hmm. Tate. Just and start Wall. I was gonna say Dice. Just have KPJ or just have KPJ and Green play the two and three. You can do start that. Wood and then start Jay Sean Tate at the four. Like 
it's not that big of a deal. John Wall is going to help the development of Green and KPJ need players like and that. Wall. So it just doesn't make sense. The Rockets are bad for a reason. A team that's very young that we thought wouldn't would would be, wouldn't be this good so far has been the OKC Thunder. They have won five of the last seven. They are six and eight. They are in the playoff picture right now. And Lou Dort in his last seven games has averaged 22 points per game, five rebounds, shooting 52% from the field and 33% from three. How surprised have you been by OKC's nice start and by Lugans Dort's scoring output? This is one of the worst offenses in the league by the, by the numbers, the 29th offense rate. But this is a top 15 defense and you know, it's it's kind of reminiscent when, regardless of what his numbers look like, regardless of what you think he's contributing. When SGA plays, this team is just more competitive. It's just how you. It's just it just it is. Last year, they they may not have been in the total playoff picture, but when he did play, they were a tough outing. It wasn't easy wins when you went there. You know it. L.A. They it wasn't hasn't been easy That's playing these guys. That's and, a fact. And now know, they have Josh Giddy. Yeah, and going going down the going no because. Listen, he's been offensive. Offensive, no, but I knew his offensive yeah, wasn't gonna. But exactly. as a playmaker, else, as right. a defender, as you're a right. rebound, he's, he's been leading them in the rebounds. Yeah, man, he's been crazy. perfectly fine. He's been what Joel was advertised as an offensive player, as a scorer. It's still finding his way into the game. He's a little inconsistent in that department, but everything else, he's been fine with them. Luke Dortz getting it, stepping into that role, that 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 secondary behind SGA. So far, so good. He's looked good. He looked like he's... Lugan Dortz is a guy who improves on his game every summer, and he looks like he's improved on his game. Defensively, you know what he's going to do. He's that dog. He's a top... If you want to say he's at least, at worst, a top eight perimeter defender in this league. SGA, you know what he's going to do. He's one of the best one-on-one isolation scorers in the NBA. Solid playmaker. And this team has guys. Darius Baisley, he's good. Derek Favors, surprisingly, he's offered that defensive anchor for them down low. Pocasheski, when he gets in the game, he's been all right. He's shown flashes of being a good playmaker, a good shooter, a one-on-one guy. Isaiah Roby's been fine. It, this team is good. Theo Maladon, it has some young talent. And this team plays together. They play to win. They play for their coach. And that's one thing that shows when you play for your coach and your coach sees that trust in you, you just play much better. This team is not the flashiest. This team is not the most talented. But this team shows fight every night. And they know who they are. And when you know who you are, you understand where you where you are in the league. And I think that's what's made them better. I wouldn't say Oklahoma City is or is a good a good team. I would say they have a team that has they're a team that has potential. And that's where I feel like I can meet that middle ground with you, Riven, and see what you're saying. I said they was a good team? Yeah, you did. I said, ah, uh, I didn't mean to say that. I, right. I apologize. That's all right, man. They've been which, playing good, though. Listen, I didn't mean to say yeah, that. Which is fine. <laughs> and look, I do think that they have some potential. Obviously, your boy Shea has been amazing for them. He's been he's been a great scorer for them. Lugan Dort's finally having his breakout this year. His three-point percentage could be a little better. It's 25 right now, but slowly but surely it'll 29. I'm look, is it with 29? I could have swore I just looked. It was, you're 100% right. I apologize. 29, obviously, nowhere near as bad as, as 25. Cl- getting close into that 30s. I think that's where he'll I probably think he was finish. looking at Gideon. This season so early, these percentages saying. are going to be very I agree. Sporadic. I agree. I think it, the way that he's been playing, I can see it going up, touching, bordering that 33, 34%, which I could be more than fine with, especially given the fact that he's shooting around 45, 47% from the field. It's just that they just don't have offensive talent outside of Lugan Dortz and Shea. Um, Baisley, like you mentioned, has been a solid ball player, but outside of Baisley, the next reliable option is Giddy, who's averaging nine. And I think Giddy, maybe not this season, maybe not next season, but maybe the season after, we'll start to see him really break down to that offensive or, you know, get show, so, show improvements on the offensive side of the game. 
His shot is just not there right now. His three-point percentage is, is not the best, and his field goal percentage isn't the best. But he's obviously doing things that impact the game in different facets. Obviously, he leads the team in assists, like you mentioned, and rebounding. But I don't think that you want Giddy to be your, your, your main rebounder. You need to get bigs into this lineup. You need to have some kind of presence in the front court. And I think that Pokachevsky, obviously, he's been all right, but he has been really been getting the minutes. Muscala, another guy that I'm just not in love with. He's he's their fourth. <laughs> he's leading, good though. But he's their fourth leading scorer, and I obviously he has been playing good. But at the same time, you need more. You just need more talent. I think that they are going to be in good position in a few years, given the plethora of draft picks that they have. I'm I'm high, I'm I'm going to be high on this team in the future. I do think that they have potential, but as of right now, I'm still not going to be. You know, I'm not going to overreact to their their recent games. I think that they have potential, but that's really all that I'm going to say. Yeah, you're right. Their offense has been horrible. Uh, the difference with Lou Dort this season is that he's finishing at the basket. Even when, as a rookie, when they faced Houston in their first round, he had that 30-point game seven. And when you watch Lou Dort, he gets to the paint. He just Strong. wasn't able to finish. Yeah. And, and he's a big boy. As a rookie, he finished, his percentage at the rim was 46%. His second season last year, 43%. Right now... He's at 63%. There we go. So he's taking a drastic jump at finishing at the rim. And I kind of disagree with that big man thing because I've really loved OKC when they have Jeremiah Robinson Earl playing that five. I, I think, you know, he was one of my sleepers, uh, my draft sleepers. And I'm surprised he went to OKC. It's surprisingly, before the draft happened, my sleepers at the point guard position was Trey, Trey Mann. And at the set, at the power four position is Jer- Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and OKC drafted both of those players. Yeah. Trey Mann hasn't gotten it going yet, but I'm very high on him. But JRE, when they play small, when they play with Shea, Dort, Giddy, uh, Baisley, and um, JRE, mm-hmm. they are very great defensively. They're tenacious. They have a lot of tenacity. Definitely, and they're switchable. And even though Giddy's knock coming out of draft was defense, he's been a solid defender. He's been getting his hands on everything, and they can just switch a lot, you know. So I think you thought def- I was going to say something. I did now. think yeah, this. <laughs> I think they've been very good in Derek Favors when he comes in at center. He just brings in a toughness. He's a good screener. He defends the rim very well. And this team defensively, I think, is going to show that effort. The offense, as they start to get older and grow, Giddy especially as he starts to get stronger. They'll be better on that end, but defensively, they've been really good. They're 13th in points per game allowed and 7th in field goal percentage. And, and I'm pushing, look, per 36 minutes, per 36. I hate using per 36, but I got to use it. Per I'm, 40 is better. Because that's yeah. my THT. That's yeah. my go-to. But per 36, T-Man average, will average 17 points a game, 5 rebounds, and 1 assist. Even in the minutes he's played now, he averages 5 points. I want to see T-Man get more minutes. You know, He's better than Teo. He's better than Ty Jerome, too, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, and for offensive purposes, for this offense, I get I it. I think he got hurt last game, though. I get it. His defense, and they talked about I was reading this athletic article, but they talk about T-Man. I understand his defense hasn't caught up in the NBA, but for offensive purposes and this team being as bad as it is on the offensive end, I think you should, you know, being that you're in the position where you can go in and try things, I think you should try T-Man a little bit more minutes. He Offensively, he's there. He has the ability. And I just want to see him get more minutes. I feel like they need some kind of veteranship. I feel like, obviously, Al Horford isn't the, the most flashy name, but he was a guy that was on this team last year. Or I don't think really Wilson gives up on him. No, I think that, obviously, he was fine. But the fact that they had Al oh, Horford yeah. and they just said, here you go, take, take him off our hands, 
they would have benefited greatly from that. Obviously, Al Horford's an amazing rebounder. He would have easily led the team in rebounding, and he gives them a little bit of spark on the offensive side. I feel like they could have benefited from that, and maybe I wouldn't have had that high of a you know that much of a question mark for their bigs. I actually um Trey Mann, my my pre draft comp for him was Spencer Dinwiddie. So Spencer Dinwiddie at first wasn't a very good defender, but he started to become that, and now he's and a he solid defender. Too. Yeah, Trey Mann, they're all offensively. He reminds me a lot of Dinwiddie, and my pro comp for JRE was Brandon Clark, and I think he's kind of been similar to what Clark brings mm-hmm. for Memphis. Even though he's not playing much minutes, they are very similar players. So yeah, I mean OKC they they draft well. Definitely. They draft well. Listen, when you have 30 picks in however many years, I think they'll figure it out. I, I think the one thing you can knock them for is drafting Trey Mann over Shingoon. Mm. That's it. But even then, like I like Trey Mann a lot, so I'm yeah. not mad at that pick. I'm in love with Trey Mann. Shingoon has been really good, bro. <laughs> He's, so I watched him in Florida. He was so nice, bro. Nah, he was different. He's got time to get. He's got time to develop. He's different. Yeah. So for the last part of the show, we are going to answer this one Patreon question. Top five p- favorite players in the NBA. This is from Burner Hoops. Shout I'll out start Burner with. Hoops. Yep. I'll start with you, Riv. <laughs> Burner Hoops has all the basketball cards, bro. He he, has oh, that's the guy with all the basketball yeah. cards. Yeah. So he needs cards. he these players right here. He needs to to, to he know needs to, so he, what he cards needs to, to get. Yeah, he needs to give us some of these cards for these players. Okay. Um, my top five players in the NBA. Okay. So one, Steph. Two, D Rose. Three, Cam Reddish. Four, Ja. No, four, Paul George. Yes, four, PG. And then five, John Moran. You got Cam Reddish over PG? Yeah. I'm shocked. I just, it just Cam doesn't play good. So I'm I can't, genuinely I genuinely stunned. watch Cam Reddish okay. videos about four or five All times. All right. Well, you didn't mention Daniel Gafford. <laughs> All right. So obviously, this isn't a surprise to anyone. My favorite ball player, LeBron James. That's by far and away. Number two right now, Anthony Davis. He's a beast, and I think that he's going to be a great part in us winning the championship THT, this year. Number number four, Russell Westbrook, See, number five. Like no, that, three right? is definitely THT. Nah, three is actually Zion Williamson. I, okay. I love Zion's game. I have he's. I think he's the second jersey that I own. I have a LeBron, I have a Zion ben jersey. Ben is at four. Ben is actually five. I have him there. Tied with D-Book. I love D-Book's game. I was high on him early when he was... I think he's the third highest scorer at the age of 22. He had the most points at that time, and I really took a liking to his game. But number four for me is actually Zach Levine. I just find his game so exciting. The fact that he really took time to develop his game and be who he is today, I really do appreciate that. And, and Burner Hoop's question was, even if it's not a star, who are your favorite players? So he's just favorite Oh, yeah, so Cam Reddish. Yeah, period. So I mean, number one for me is James Harden. Yeah, we know. It's so easily James Harden. <laughs> number two is... Luka Doncic. Okay. But this was hard because this was tough to me. It's it's Luka and it's tied with PJ Tucker. Oh, okay. PJ okay. Tucker, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I love PJ Tucker, man. He's my guy, man. So he's I at three. Tied with two. Okay. But two, three, interchangeable. I I hope one day I can meet him, man. He's such an inspiration, motivation. He's a cool dude. Yeah. His story is remarkable how he made the end. We get it, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because you know JC the other day, uh, after he's watched PJ Tucker play more, because when he was in Houston, I used to always rave about Tucker. I my my Twitter at name was PJ Tucker fan account, and <laughs> I changed my profile picture to a big three of me, Harden, and PJ Tucker. And everybody thought I was trolling when I talked about his impact. But even JC the other day was like, "Yo, I watched Tucker," and I'm like, "Bro, I thought you were just bugging, but nah, he's really impactful. He definitely is." And I told them, "Yeah, it's just it doesn't show up." But like I said, if they if they had a grit and grind Hall of Fame, like. Players were Tony Allen. I was going to say Tony Allen Zach comes Randolph. to mind right Zach away. Zach Randolph and you know 
Bruce Bowen, PJ Tucker would be in that grit and grind Hall of Fame. First ballot. I mean, for one, he's right he's probably one of the best corner three point shooters of all time. Tucker is just an incredible human being. He's tough on defense. He could guard any single position. Kevin Durant has said before, that's his toughest matchup. Even though Durant has gotten bucks on Tucker, Tucker never gives up. He has a, a heart of a lion. It's funny because he said, when I watched this interview, I think we were talking about this, he said him and uh, PJ Tucker and Tony Allen were two of the toughest guys. He said, and they're both mad small, much smaller than Kevin Durant. So it's crazy how all the small guys give these big guys trouble. And not to mention, Tucker is the sneaker king. He's the champion. And I think, man, he's just... He has his own just, house for sneakers. Yeah, he's just, a, crazy. He's just, a, just a fresh dude. No, nah, he does get fly. Say? He does get he's real just fly. A cool dude. One day, I hope we can have him on a podcast. No. I'll sign his... I'll get his jersey and I get I won't be here for that day. Yo, that's disrespect. <laughs> I'll be here. And four is a... Four, is a t- four and five is a toss-up between Chris Paul and Jokic. Yeah, Jokic. Zion is in your five? No, no, no. Uh, Chris Paul, he, he's been somebody that I've been... I love... I just love Chris Paul. He's my guy for sure. And... Nikola Jokic, what can I say, man? He just he's just my guy. It's another too. ball player too. Yeah, these those are my I top mention, five. I gotta throw Zoe in there for me, man. I, I you I, like all my players. I know. Weirdly enough, <laughs> I gotta be an honorable bull now. But just be a bullfer. Nah, I can't. <laughs> Take a measure. Yeah, from afar. So you, there's From not, afar. Hey, so, I said they're I said they're contenders. It's easy to like stars, but it's hard to really be a fan of a role player. I think most NBA fans. There's just that one role player that they're just a super fan of. For me, it's PJ Tucker. For you, it's Cam Reddish. That's my dog. Who's your role player that you're in love with? Are we are we saying Zoe's a role player? He is a role player, he, but he has the fan. It's yeah, a, yeah, he, he, has he has just a, has a crazy. He has fan a superstar. Base. Fan. If I'm talking about honest, a role player, Caruso, that, I absolutely love. Okay, I do love but Caruso him as a role, does have role player. A fan base too. Yeah, he definitely does. Is there a, it's deserved. Is there a under the ro- under the radar role player that you're just in love with? Hmm. Not really, because like me, me personally, I'm a player fan, so I'm so just honed in on LeBron and everything that goes with that. So I really don't take a liking to other guys, because that then I that's where I start to teeter in in terms have, of bandwagon. I have one outside of Cam, because I think Cam's going to be like the best player in the league, and he was in the league a while back. Uh, Devin Harris. Yeah, you Devin n- you're not giving me Caruso makes it definitely different. He was an also me. No, I'm talking about like even after like in Dallas, Devin oh. like he was just one of the guys I just loved watching. Like yeah. I love watching his game. So minus minus PJ Tucker though easily. That's a firm one. That's my guy. If I if, PJ Tucker has a fan base too. I don't know. He definitely does. Bros on complex every other week talking the sneaker king. Look at if what I, he if just I had caught. to do one without an All Star game, I would probably have to say Kirk Heinrich. Kirk Heinrich. Yeah, Kirk Heinrich. I bet like Jr. I used to really like until he did that boneheaded move in 2018. J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith. Everybody loves J.R. Smith. Yeah, exactly. It's hard uh, not to like. He's, him. He's, That's trying to think of role players in older generations because I definitely. There's definitely a few that yo Shane Battier, Steve Novak, okay. Oh, Steve Novak for me definitely. So yeah, Shane Steve Battier Novak. might be my guy. Mike Miller's another. Ben Gordon time. was another one that was my guy. Ben, ben Gordon was good. Michael Red was a. I liked Michael. Oh, Red. I love Michael Red. Yo, he ben was Gordon a great was solid player, for you guys. What do you have? Back to back seasons of twenty. Yeah, he's, he's off the bench. Bucket him. Michael Red's jump shot in two K money impeccable, bro. Money. Impeccable. Never money. missed with him. Monty Ellis Gerald was one Green. Of my I'm forgetting about Gerald Green. I loved him as a role player too. Gerald Monty Green. wasn't a role player though. No, it was just one of my yeah, favorite yeah, yeah. players. Like I Max. loved him. Wow. So this is how we're gonna end the episode off talking about role players. This was episode 131. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Pigaside Podcast on Twitter at Pigaside Pod. Thank you guys so much for listening and or watching, and we'll see you next time.